Giant Group. Vision, Mantis, Nebula, Ultron, and Sokovia, Civil War, Ant-Man, Scarlet Witch, and Spider-Man. Doctor Strange, Ragnarok, Henry, Janet, and the Wasp, Black Panther, in Wakanda, Shuri, Okoye, Killmonger, Captain Marvel, Goose the Cat, and flying higher, further, faster, Thanos, and Infinity War, I can't take it! Welcome back to another episode of FW Presents, a proud part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and joining me this time, once again, is my brother, Neil Daly. What's up, man? <laughs> How's it going, man? Just make sure that we're not confusing this with FU Presents. <laughs> totally different network. <laughs> totally different network. Very different mantra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. How's it going? It's good. Uh, we're here to discuss the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because God knows that doesn't get talked about enough. Um, but the way we're going to do it is a little bit different. I have ranked the 23 movies that comprise what Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige now refers to as the Infinity Saga. This ranking is based on my personal preference, as subjective as that is. It's based on <laughs> quality of the movie, but also my own biases, my expectations, the amount of fan service the movie gives me, etc., all that stuff. Uh, so we're going to discuss each of the 23 movies, some of them only briefly, uh, because there isn't much to say. Um, but when we get down closer to our top 10, top 5, uh, we will definitely go into a bit more depth and compare the lists. You didn't rank all of them because, am I correct, you have not seen all of them at this point. I am one movie short of the Infinity Saga, and it depends on if you consider Spider-Man Far From Home uh, part of the Infinity Saga. I believe most people do, and that is the only one I'm lacking at this point. To an extent, it is an epilogue. I can also, I mean, not knowing where they go next exactly, I, I, it also feels very much like a transitional piece to whatever comes next. But uh, so, okay, so the movies that we will be talking about, just for everybody, if there's any person in the world alive who, who isn't familiar <laughs> with these movies, the 23 movies from the year 2008, we had Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk. 2010, believe it or not, 2009, there was actually a year when there wasn't a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. I can't um, imagine. 2010, we got Iron Man 2. In 2011, Thor and Captain America, the first Avenger. 2012, The Avengers. 2013, Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World. In 2014, Captain America The Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy. 2015, The Avengers Age of Ultron and Ant-Man. 2016, Captain America Civil War and Doctor Strange. 2017, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Thor Ragnarok. We started moving up to three movies a year. 2018, we had Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, and Ant-Man and the Wasp. 2019, Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, and Spider-Man Far From Home. So... Uh, before getting into my ranking of these movies, uh, just so we kind of have a frame of reference, Neil, where did you come into the MCU? I mean, I was there from, you know, I, I, I saw Iron Man day one. I was a fan of these characters for the most part going in. Uh, you know, growing up, Batman was my first superhero that I, mm -hmm. like, with the comics. 
Um, I, I knew some of them just through cartoons and other merchandising before that, but Batman was my gateway drug to superhero comics. <laughs> but after that, I jumped. I, I was definitely more of a Marvel reader. I was reading X-Men and Spider-Man and some of these other things. Um, so I knew these characters pretty well before I saw them. You, <laughs> from what I remember growing up, were not that way at all. So, like, what kind of viewer were you? Where did you come into this franchise and this this saga as a viewer? Okay, great. First of all, I'm surprised you didn't say you were a fan from Jump because that's your catch-all <laughs> phrase. I, I I can't tell you how many times I've heard you say you were a fan of something from Jump. I'm trying to change my material. <laughs> nice, nice. No, good. It's 2019. Live in the present. Um, no, yeah, this is the, well. Here for your listeners, what's interesting about this podcast? What we're trying to do for everybody, because uh, you know people have talked about these movies ad nauseum and compared and ranked and everything, but it all comes from most of the people uh, doing these podcasts or listening to these podcasts are all fans, so they're all sharing almost similar stories. Mm-hmm. And the reason you and I kind of wanted to discuss this was for that very reason that you just set up. I wasn't a fan from the start. I wasn't from Jump. <laughs> I wasn't. I, di- I didn't come at. As a matter of fact, I wasn't. A, I wasn't even a superhero fan. You know, you and I have very, very different outlooks on these things. I've never read a comic book in my life. You know, shock to all your dear listeners who are friends with me on Facebook. I'm sure I'm going to be unfriended now. But um, well, but, you, you, you know, graphic novels. I, I, I mean, kind you, of you knew the Batman like trade paperbacks that came out around. The oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I was aware that these things called comics existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew about that. No, and and trust me, I've been down in our basement before. I've seen your collection, so there's, <laughs> there was enough there. Um, but more more importantly, see, here's here's what's interesting, and this is where you and I kind of had fundamental differences in why this podcast. I hope will be interesting for people listening is because I had more trouble with this whole suspension of, of disbelief, this, this, the escapism that people uh, fell into with being a fan of comic books. I was a fan of realistic things. I wanted everything to be explainable. I wanted everything to, I wanted to know that these things could exist in the world that I lived in. Otherwise I didn't want to waste my time. So what's interesting about that, I know that sounds kind of harsh, but as we were discussing, as we were planning on doing this, I started to, you know, my initial impression was I was going to say that I came from it as, because you know me, I'm a brand loyalist. If I, <laughs> if I wear Nike, I don't wear Reebok. If I drink Coke, I don't drink Pepsi. There's no gray area for me. I won't see a Star Trek movie because I'm a Star Wars guy. Like you, you know this. I do. So I, do. <laughs> so, so I kind of was, I was approaching this as I'm a DC guy, so therefore I could never like an MCU movie. And and, in the, in a weird way, the first half of the infinity saga, that was my excuse to not see the movies. But the more I thought about it just this week, as we were prepping for this, I started to think I'm actually not even a DC guy. I was just a Batman guy. That was it. You know, I, I mean, I, obviously I was far more aware of DC stuff because they had the super friends on Saturday morning. And so I knew those characters and things and I knew Superman from the Christopher Reeve movies, but I was, I was just a Batman guy. And I liked Batman because he could exist in the world that I lived in. You know, he wasn't a superhero. He, you know, those those kind of things. So I think that's kind of where I came from. My introduce my introduction to Marvel itself would have been simply from the Incredible Hulk TV show in the seventies, which uh, you know, I mean, I know they tried it with a bunch of things. There was a TV show for Captain America and for Spider-Man and for some of those things. But, you know, the Incredible Hulk was must-see TV for me. And although the show visually hasn't aged very well, <laughs> um, you know, uh, the, I still think the pilot episode is just fantastic television. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because 
it gave what what Bill Bixby did with that character was give humanity and guilt and this inner conflict and and, and stuff to this character that made me sympathize with them or empathize, I guess you know. It, but that was kind of where I came from. So that was, but going back, I know it's a long winded answer to your original question. That was about it for me. I, I knew the Hulk. I knew of Spider Man. I've heard of the others. First of all, I had never heard of Iron Man, by the way, when that movie came out. And I, I, I actually remember thinking that was about the stupidest movie ever that somebody could possibly make. And I told people, I was like, not a single person in the world's going to see this movie. <laughs> Nobody knows who Iron Man is. I think I probably even told you that. Yeah, you did. You're like, Iron Man? That sounds stupid. And Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think oh. your exact words were, nobody in the world is going to see this. Yeah, I, I mean, I was like, Iron Man, is it a bodybuilder? Like, what the, what the hell? <laughs> does he do you know i mean i was like i remember is this a sequel to pumping iron with schwarzenegger so so that was that was kind of where i came from with the whole thing but you know i honestly too the other thing i always kind of thought marvel was i i kind of viewed them as second class citizens to dc i had no idea about the popularity of them but even in terms of just comic books i kind of thought that they were like the gobots to the transformers i was like <laughs> i really thought these are like these are like kids you know, or when you go to like, you know, when you're poor and you can only get pro jogs because they have the upside down Nike swish and it's not <laughs> real, but you try to hope that you can fool everybody else. That's, that's kind of what I thought. I had no idea that these were actually popular and people would want to see this stuff. <laughs> but long story short, so we can get back into the podcast that we're doing. I'm definitely coming at my opinion. And first of all, I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I didn't have an appreciation of the MCU as a whole and of these characters now looking back on what I've gained from seeing the movies. But I definitely am going to approach my opinion of the movies and my ranking system to contrast with yours as more of the layman. Listen to these things. You know, I was I was a novice coming into this with no expectations, no, no pre-knowledge, no knowledge of story arcs and where they were going to go and setups and things like that. So I think I think our discussion is going to be kind of fun and interesting for people that are both fans of MCU and non-fans. For li those of you listening, if you need any other examples of what Neil means by his brand loyalty and how extreme <laughs> it can get, uh, I think Shaquille O'Neal doing, doing shilling for Taco Bell, I think that was your Vietnam. Oh, God. <laughs> That, yeah, that, oh my God, that still carries weight. I still, I, I, I'm torn. I'm torn. You know, it's, it, oh God, I can't even go there. I can't. Even, you know what? Shaquille O'Neal, honestly, though, let's, let's, I'm sorry to segue, but he, he ruined a lot of things for me. Okay. Because at the time, Michael Jordan came out and, and he was all of a sudden the first celebrity athlete that endorsed products like mass marketed stuff. And Shaquille was the second that came out. And he always had the scraps that Michael Jordan turned down, but everything was in conflict with it. I mean, he drank. Powerade because Michael had Gatorade. That's why Powerade was invented. And I can't even get into the fact. I don't want to see Powerade on a shelf. As a matter of fact, I won't even shop at the store that I see that crap. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> so before we, before we start the ranking, <laughs> before we start the ranking, one other question then, just to sort of um, just attack on to the end of what what you were saying before. Like, do you remember like what was your gateway in the MCU? Like what was the first movie that you saw in the saga? And like, do you remember why? Like, yes, I actually, this is going to, you're going to love this story. I was paid by my roommate <laughs> at the time, Chris, you, you know, very yeah. well. Yeah. I was paid to watch the Avengers when they finally got together. The first team up movie, 
he absolutely like he was he was so frustrated that I was 100 percent against seeing all these movies. And I had no legitimate reason to not see him except for the fact that I'm like I was a baby. I'm like, nope. <laughs> nope, it's not. I'm not going to see a superhero movie. I'm not going to see a Marvel movie. I'm a DC guy. Blah 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 blah. And I was like, if Batman's not in it, I don't care. And so he was. But it was it was funny because I remember he kept saying, "But you're a fan of film. You're an actor. You're a writer. You're a director." He's like, "You appreciate these movies are actually good. They're not fluff pieces and all this stuff." And I kept saying, "You know what? You got to have. You got to give me a better argument than that." And finally. <laughs> Finally, it was when Avengers was released on 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 demand or streaming. He he bought me beer, bought me pizza, and you know I don't maybe even more. I don't even know, but but it was like let's make a night of it. I'll treat. I need you to watch this movie with me, and I went into it like like you know big pouty upper lower lip, and I was like arms crossed, saying this is going to be the biggest waste of my time. I'm so pissed off that I have to do this. <laughs> And that was my gateway. And afterwards, it probably took me maybe maybe a, a day or two. I would say 24, 48 hours before I was finally like, damn it. <laughs> God, that was a pretty good movie. Shit. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I kind of came around. And of course, I still had to, because I was still, I still had to argue. I thought that the ending battle scene was, I was like, that's just dumb. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was like, all these, all of, like, it's so colorful. Everybody's got costumes. I'm like, come on. But I, long story short, and we'll get into this specifically when we rank the movies, because now I've got to, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to talk more about this movie specifically. Right, right, but, right. That was that was the gateway into it, and I, I once once that opened the door, and I saw the filmmaking, and of course, you know, it was Joss Whedon, and then, you know, my relationship with him. I kind of, you know, I, I maybe stuck my big toe into the pool a little bit deeper every single time, and then you know, I explored, and then I saw the previous ones leading up, on and on and on, and then as we'll as we'll go forward in the podcast, now I'm 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 a fan. I'm a fan, but it took, I, I went, I, I, I was wholeheartedly against ever liking these movies. <laughs> all right. All right. Let, let's move into the actual, uh, the ranking now. Um, and uh, a few things again, just to drag my feet even further. Uh, I do want to address <laughs> that I, I made a second sub list of five movies. And this was the list that I think is me being my most objective as a film goer and somebody who can sort of like analyze these, appreciate them as films kind of divorced from my own expectations, divorced from, you know, 30 plus years of reading comics and stuff like that. And the movies that I think are kind of like the best made, the most accessible to people that sort of come the closest to transcending the genre, um, these movies, not necessarily in any particular order, but the five that I came up with were the original Iron Man, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll talk more about that when we get into the ranking, the original Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. um, Avengers Infinity War, um, which may not necessarily be the most accessible, but like when I was on the podcast uh, with Rob Kelly and some of the other guys from the network talking about like that is a movie that has so many parts and so many things going on that you would think it is completely incapable of working but the narrative that they actually string by just making it a plot-based thing with thanos is Mm -hmm. really simple so it's an it's an incredibly tight movie for having as many different pieces and and little like sub stories going on yeah um also the first avengers movie and then captain america the winter soldier which 
only like I, I, again, I'll get to it when I get to my mm-hmm, list. But right. really, I, I think that's just a great little superhero espionage Jason Bourne type of like spy adventure that has like one big thing at the end that bothers me. Um, <laughs> but, but I'll yeah. address it on the list. Yeah. yeah, I think it's interesting too that what we'll find as we go forward is that the, you obviously have have different tiers of how you rank them. Like this easily accessible list that you just kind of promoted is something that I fall more in line with anyway because I don't recognize the fan service beats that come from the other movies because I, w- I don't have that history. Exactly, and I kind of, I, I kind of thought about that. I was sort of kind of putting my head like, like with you, and that wasn't news to me when you talk about like how how serious and how grounded you prefer to like stay in these things. I mean that speaks to, I mean, when you were on an episode of Cheerscast, when we were talking about, I always liked sitcoms more than you did. You preferred yep. the the dramas. Yeah. Um. So that was yeah, yeah just another difference. But okay, so. Getting into my list, and I mention this every time I talk about the Marvel movies, but it's worth repeating, especially because when you're ranking them, something has to fall down at the bottom, uh, (laughs) which might suggest it lacks quality or it's not good or anything like that. And I don't want to say that because I still believe that all of these movies are, to some extent, good. uh, They have rewatch value. I don't think any of them are bad. Some of them might be kind of meh. But for me, anyway, the lowest, like, if I was giving letter grades, the lowest one on my list would be C or C+. Um, none of these are sure. clunkers. Yeah. None of these are wastes of time. Again, I think they have rewatch value. I think they have good things, but some of them kind of forgettable. Yeah, that's that's a word that I would actually use, too. I would say that they, I found them all entertaining, mm-hmm. but there are, there are a certain degree of them that, you know, left my mind once I walked out of the theater. Now, that right. doesn't mean that they're bad. That doesn't mean that they weren't enjoyable as I saw them. That's just where they fall on my list. Right. So, number 23, the bottom of the list, uh, probably not surprising to a lot of people, I think, is Thor The Dark World, the sequel to Thor. It's just, I, again, it, it, it feels the least consequential. Uh, it squanders a, a, a decent villain with a good genre actor. I mean, Christopher Eccleston has got a lot of genre cred. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Although I keep making fun, he, he didn't impress me in Thor. He didn't impress me playing Destro in the G.I. Joe movie. Um, he's like the only Doctor Who that I've actually watched. So, and I'm not a Doctor Who fan, so I'm kind of like, I don't know if I like this guy. He keeps being You're in projects tardis. that I don't like. Yeah. Tart- You're a TARDIS. Yeah. <laughs> um, in this movie's defense, I will mention uh, a friend of the network, David Gallagher. I think he's actually said that this is one of his favorite MCU movies, if not his favorite. And his reasoning is this movie doesn't necessarily concern itself with the world building. It doesn't care what S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing. It doesn't care what Iron Man is doing. This one is just about superheroes and demigods fighting monsters and doing Asgardian shit. And if you just take it sort of on its own as a sort of fantasy adventure type thing, this one gave him what he wanted. So he really likes this movie. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I actually can't, I can't argue with his description of it. it. You know, it's one of those two each his own. I would agree with you that I find this movie way at the bottom of my list as well. But for all the reasons he described that he likes it are the reasons I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Number 22, I've got Iron Man three and this is tough because there are a lot of things in this movie that I like. Um, I like the head fake of uh, Ben Kingsley as the mm-hmm. Mandarin turning out to be G, just this soccer hooligan actor who was paid by <laughs> this thing. Um, I think Downey Jr. is really good. I like. I, I think they approached and, and had some good ideas about his PTSD after the Avengers, but I don't think it was necessarily 
I don't think it paid up. It, it didn't feel like it resolved or resolved too easily um, once he met the kid. Yeah, it's 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 fine. I, I think the I I didn't really care about um, Guy Pierce as the villain and yeah. like, the whole just the the battle royale at the end with just different Iron Man suits fighting and everything. Like there, there was just there was a lot about this movie that I didn't care about. There was stuff that mm-hmm. I did like. Anecdotally, I have heard that Rebecca Hall, who is the sort of like love interest, yep. was supposed to be the big bad villain of this movie, but that was something that uh, Ike Perlmutter, who at the time had more clout over what the movies did, resisted because he didn't want a girl to be the villain because he wanted somebody that they could make toys of, and so he was <laughs> fighting with Kevin Feige over there, and then not long after that decision was made is when Disney basically said, okay, Ike, you run the Marvel comics and you can have a TV, but you have nothing to do with these movies. We're running this, and Kevin is in charge. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm with you in your description. I have Iron Man three ranked a little bit higher, not much, maybe two or three movies up mm-hmm. from from where you have it, and that's based solely on the Robert Downey Jr. performance. Yeah, not necessarily the script or his character arc, but his performance I thought was solid enough to rivet me and keep me invested in everything that was going on. I thought that was really that was really really interesting to give this guy that's been up to this point just you know a wisecracking smartass who you know you know. You know, all of a sudden, give him vulnerability for the first time. And, and, and I will say, when this movie reminds me that it's a Shane Black movie, I think is when I like it the most. Sure, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent with you there. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Now, what's interesting is this, and this is you know, again, one of the fundamental differences between you and I. I didn't know that the Mandarin was something of of to pay attention to. I didn't know that that was something like, oh, that's a comic book guy that's going to come up. But wait, that's not him. Mm-hmm. So to me, I just took. I was like, I don't care who this guy. I don't give a damn. Number 21. This one hurts because I wanted to like this movie a lot more than I did. Uh, but 21 is Ant-Man and the Wasp. This has one of my favorite action scenes of any of the movies, which is the Wasp's debut. When Evangeline Lilly comes in as the Wasp and she does her whole thing in the beginning where she's taking down the, all the, like, the hoods in the, in the kitchen and everything and showing how the shrinking power can do and what, like with the wings and the blasters and taking out those guys that fight scene. I love that because the Wasp is a character that I liked in the comics and I felt like we waited way too long. We waited for the 20th movie in the saga to get her. Um, So I I was really thrilled to see that so early on in the movie. But then just aspects of the movie disappointed me. I I thought there were, you know, Paul Rudd is, is funny in the part. He's charming. I love his relationship with his daughter in the movie. But when I watched the movie, I kept on thinking the entire plot and the storyline of this movie of Janet and Hope wanting, or, or Hank and Hope wanting to get Janet and wanting to go into the quantum realm, that can all be told without your main character. Like, there's <laughs> no reason for Ant Man to be in this movie other than it's a sequel to Ant Man's movie. So, sure. like, by nature. I was like, you could have taken Scott out of this movie, and the plot is kind of the same. Yeah. So, for that reason, I mean, yeah, it was just, I, I didn't think it was as funny. I didn't think. The, after that initial action beat, I didn't think it was as strong. Things, again, things I like about it, things that were really entertaining, but I was just kind of 
the the meat of the story just wasn't that good. So. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll actually say too, and this is this is kind of funny coming from where I'm coming from. Um, the way I already described the way I felt about when I heard that there was an Iron Man movie, mm-hmm. you can only imagine that was that was I, I felt ten <laughs> times more strong about the fact that they're making an Ant Man movie. I was like, right, right. I really thought that they just went off the rails. I was like, this. I, I felt like they made it up. I was like, there probably isn't even a comic called Ant Man. I bet they just made it up. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I was like, they're just looking for something now. I, I can't like, when's Grasshopper Man come out and stuff? So. <laughs> So, but the reason I'm mentioning that with this movie was because I think this was now at the point where, first of all, I, in the grand scheme of things now, when I look at the whole, I realize that this movie was more of a vehicle to set up where we went with Endgame mm-hmm. and things like that. So I understand the necessity of it in the grand scheme of things, but as mm-hmm. a on the whole, as a sequel to Ant-Man, it definitely wasn't as good, wasn't as entertaining. But I, I like the fact that they incorporated, you know, this was at a point now between Ragnarok with, with Tessa Thompson and in this movie, it was like all of a sudden we were starting to get the burst of the female, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, t- you know, being equals. And this yeah. was like this run. All of a sudden, we had this run of now the females are every bit as powerful. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, so number twenty, I've got Iron Man two. And again, considering how much I really like the first Iron Man, the sequels aren't as strong. This is an example where. I love the first half of this movie. Mm. Uh, I, I liked the stuff with Tony dealing with the poisoning of the makeshift arc reactor in his chest. I liked the slow burn of Mickey Rourke's character Vanko and his sort of revenge scheme. I liked the introduction of the Black Widow played by Scar Joe, not really knowing mm-hmm. what her agenda is, things like that. And I, I love the uh, the first fight at the racetrack and everything when, when Vanko comes out as Whiplash and he's just destroying this, this race car and they have to fight yep. and everything. I like all that pretty much up until Tony's birthday party when he gets drunk and has the Rock'em Sock'em robot <laughs> fight with, uh, with Rhodey the first time yep. Rhodey gets in the suit. After that, I felt like a, there was a significant drop-off and I felt like the movie took a timeout and said, wait, we're also setting up the Avengers movie that's coming out next. So here's Nick Fury and he is going to do a bunch of exposition and basically here's the cure to your poisoning or whatever, so you don't have to worry about that. By the way, this girl, she's also Black Widow the Spy, and she's going to be doing this, this, and And, yeah, I just, like, the second half, I just, I didn't care as much. I loved everything about the first half. I liked Sam Rockwell in his part, but the the second half is just, I I felt like a a significant drop-off in what I was caring about, so that's kind of the reason why this, this is so low on my list. Yeah, I had this one actually lower than Iron Man three, and it was it was kind of because it it felt a little bit like you said it felt a little gimmicky. Like, and again, coming at it, you know, I'm going to keep hounding on this point as we go forward. But the most realistic human beats of the movie are the things that I found the most interesting and most watchable. And I actually compare this in a weird way to like the politics involved with the Gary Shandling character and what superheroes could do. I feel like that's like this is like the beginning of that movie is what. But I think DC blew it with Batman versus Superman. And when they were trying to all of a sudden, you know, have the world say Superman's this, but what, you know, if gods live here and blah, 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 right. and all this stuff like this was, this was great having to actually go to court and have, you know, <laughs> Gary Sandling's character and, and all these things. And then they kind of continued like a lot of, you know, the Avengers movies then kept going with this thing about, you know, the politics involved of, you know, do we give them free reign to do whatever they want mm-hmm, or do we have mm-hmm. to sanction them and stuff? That realism I thought was palpable and strong and a very like you could have built a movie based on that alone now 
would the fans have loved it? No, not at all. It would have been like a <laughs> it would have been like a Perry Mason drama kind of thing. Sure, yeah. But but you know, so of course they had to then throw in, okay, let's throw a bunch of robots in and fight at the end. You know, which is fair. I mean, that's that's fair. But that's that specifically is kind of like you. That's kind of where this movie lost me. Yeah. I thought I, I I thought Robert Downey Jr.'s performance was great, and I thought Sam Rockwell is great in everything he does. Mm-hmm. But for those reasons, I I actually thought Iron Man three was even better than this one. Yeah. Uh, so at number 19 for me is Captain Marvel. And I, I'm just going to say it right now. I don't like women and I don't think they should be the stars of action. Movie. <laughs> On the record. <laughs> yeah, there you, go. you um, know what? You will never get married. <laughs> uh, no, this was one like there were, there were things about this movie that I really liked. I liked the throwback nature of it, setting it back in like the nineties for the soundtrack and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons this is so low is there were aspects of the of the protagonist of the central character that I didn't like, and and part of it is part of it is Brie Larson's performance. Part of it, I think, mm-hmm. was also the way she was directed. I don't know if they were the strongest directors this movie needed for a movie that isn't necessarily as linear. There were times when I just wanted her to emote more, to kind of like seem a little bit more engaged, and I'm hesitant to say I wanted her to to be a little bit more emotional because that's the whole. <laughs> thing. It's it's dangerous to call your female to say your female character is getting too emotional, and I also know that the character as written in those situations is supposed to be a soldier. She's part of this alien. Mm-hmm. culture she's been conditioned to be and and brainwashed to suppress her emotions on every level but like even like the scene when she's with her her friend um not monica but her monica's mom when she finds out the truth that she's been lied to this whole time and everybody is reacting stronger and bigger than the main character i'm like she's the one who has the excuse to lose her shit at this moment and she's not doing it so are these were these deliberate choices that they made probably i just i didn't like them as much i felt like i felt like they they were keeping me at an arm's length from from connecting with the main character now having said that i i mean i i don't think this movie was as strong and i have it towards the bottom of my list i will say my wife angela has watched this movie twice without me and we usually watch these movies together whether like we're just sitting down or, or we go to the theater or something she's watched this twice without me she likes the movie and if she gets something out of the movie and the experience that i don't get i still love that and i love that the movie sure. able to find the other i felt the same way about wonder woman i didn't love the movie wonder woman the way a lot of people did but if little girls are watching that movie and they have a hero to look up to i am not yep. going to get in their way and say they're wrong so, yeah, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my thing with this one. Yeah, I will. I will. Um, there's honestly, there's not a whole lot I need to add to this. Um, I will say that you know, for the same reasons as you just described, I, I was kind of uninvested in Brie Larson's character. I do believe it was a choice, whether it was hers or directed, because it stayed consistent even when she showed up in the next couple movies too, right. with just almost like a deadpan kind of robotic response thing. Like, hey, Peter Parker, right. I think that maybe was supposed to be a laugh in Endgame, but I, I like it. It, it was cold to me. I was like, mate, were, 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 was that supposed to be funny? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I didn't get, so I, th- I think, yeah, I mean, if she was directed to do that and that was her alien soldier roboticness, whatever, not, you know, unemotional self, that's fine. That's fine. It just didn't resonate with me. And, and for that reason, you know, that's, I, I, 
I like the humanity of my lead characters. That's <laughs> right. kind of, you know, that's where I love. So this movie kind of left me cold. Now I do totally agree with you that I loved what this movie did for women. I love what it, you know, the effect that it had. I love the fact that it made a billion dollars after it was universally hated before it came out with <laughs> fake yeah. trolls and, you know, thousands and thousands of people saying it was awful when it hadn't come out and nobody's seen it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that it resisted all that and people went and saw it in droves, I'm happy about it. I will also say that this one had one of my favorite Marvel moments uh, moments of any of the movies, which is at the end when Jude Law is basically like, you think you can take me without your powers? Come come on, like take me hand to hand. Show me what you're really capable of. Which is basically him saying, I'm not strong enough to beat you, so you have to come <laughs> down to my level right. to fight me. And she just like knocks him like 100 feet away into a rock. <laughs> and she's like, I don't have anything to prove to you. I was like, yeah. yes, that is exactly the right moment for this movie. I, I yeah, love that part. No, that that is a classic throwback to some of my favorite, you know, fight scenes in old movies too, and everything where <laughs> right. it's like, you know, somebody's, you know, somebody's like like two guys that actually want to kill each other, but one guy <laughs> has a gun, yeah. and for some reason he decides I'm going to throw the gun down because I would rather beat you hand to hand. It's like, wait a minute, I thought you wanted to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Like, like there's nobody else here watching. This isn't a spectator sport. What do you <laughs> yeah. have to prove? Yeah. You know, are you are you going to sleep better knowing that you? bested him in an arm wrestling match or like um in uh, a fish called wanda when john cleese corners <laughs> kevin Klein's character otto and he, he's got the gun on him and he's like come on you're a man aren't you let's fight like men so john cleese puts the gun down and kevin Klein picks it up <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh no no can coming to kill me okay all right so moving on number 18 i've got thor the original thor Again, this is a movie like, uh, yeah, this is a movie where I liked half of the movie and didn't care as much about the other half. I like the stuff actually when Thor is on Earth after he gets banished uh, mm-hmm. and basically has to basically come to terms and find his way. And and the way Natalie Portman and her her you know coterie have to react to him and and like like the stuff there on Earth, I found more compelling. The stuff on Asgard and all of the, which is odd because it's a Kenneth Branagh directed movie, but I found all the court at Asgard stuff with his father and his brother, I just, I didn't care about it. Part of it was, I think the, the, the set dressing and like the way it was shot, it just felt weirdly alien, but in a bad kind of Star Wars prequel type of way where it didn't feel lived in. And I didn't really, I didn't like Loki in this one. I didn't find him to be the, the trickster god, the, like the god of mischief. He was just a liar, but I also didn't think his plot made a whole lot of sense because he didn't know that his father had been lying to him and like so at the end yeah i just i i had some problems with this movie but i thought it was the one thing that it did well was it made me like thor by the end of the movie when he has to have his his moment where he stands up to the destroyer and basically as as a mortal and he's like yeah father is like you know take me spare these people and he finds that humility and that's what's able to make him worthy of the hammer again i love i like that moment yeah i would i i had this i had this right down at this uh, you know just one above dark world i mean i felt i you know it's kind of interesting because if you know as an outsider to the mcu looking at all these movies as a whole i would have easily assumed captain america would be the most boring character to try and put on screen in a modern era i would i would thought there's no way that's going to work but when i saw these two movies i I thought that i just wasn't interested in thor i wasn't interested in his journey and i really 
didn't know where they were going to go with it and what they were going to do. And interestingly enough, like you said, I kind of thought like maybe maybe the CGI just wasn't quite where it was, you know, 10 years later. You know, it, it, that might have had something to do with it or something. But I felt like I, I liked Hemsworth. And I think by the time Thor Dark World came out, I want to say, I think Cabin of the Woods was already out and Rush, the movie where he was uh, in the yeah, car yeah, race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I'd seen him be good. I'd seen him a, as an actor. And I'd be like, I like this guy. <laughs> like what, you know, I, I, so it's not that he's just wrong for the part, but I was like, I couldn't put my finger on it until the third one, which we'll get to down the road. What? But yeah, there's, there, there's really... I wasn't a big fan of the either Thor movies. And interestingly, I think the first two Thor movies, Thor and Thor The Dark World, in terms of the character and the way he's written, the way he's played, are probably a little bit closer to the way he is in the comics than mm. in the Avengers and in Ragnarok. Because, I, I mean, I like Thor comics as just pure adventures, but he's a pretty simple character in the in the way that He-Man is. Just kind of like a... His, his thing is he's a, he's the defender of his realm. He's just the, the most powerful warrior, and he's gonna... Yeah he's going to beat back any monsters that try to take over to, to protect his people. He, there's not a whole lot of substantive conflict there. So I think, and I think that was hard for them to resonate in this movie universe because I, much in the same way, I think that's, that's probably true for a lot of people to find an in with Superman as a character. Sure. Um, Cause there, there isn't a whole lot of turmoil there. And, and when you compare that with what you get from other characters in this universe, I think that the people who were maybe who were able to make him more compelling and more likable, we saw that more in the Avengers movies and in Ragnarok, which is which is where he's a little bit less like the Thor from the comics, which is interesting. Yeah, I think I'm glad that you brought this up because this is actually a conversation I want to continue once we get to. Uh, those other movies, specifically Iron Man, believe it or not. But I think what's interesting is I would have always, again, never having a comic book history background, I would have assumed that superheroes in all comics were boring and very, very, you know, like the Boy Scout, like Superman. I assumed they all were. So it didn't bother me that this version of Thor was just, I, I did, you know, I mean, I could understand a purist not liking Ragnarok because they're like, Thor's not supposed to be funny, you know, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. But again, I didn't have that lived in history and that, that, that wasn't my family around, you know, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I saw these and I'm like, I, I just, I don't care about this guy. Like go back to Asgard and fight, you know, right, right, get off, right. get off my planet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so coming in at number 17, and this is the one that you haven't seen yet. I have Spider-Man far from home. Again, this is one that has a lot of stuff in it. I like and stuff that I don't like. I found the, the pacing and structure to be uneven in the beginning. The first half is very much high school hijinks. And the second <laughs> half is a superhero adventure and they don't feel like they're necessarily balanced. There are two performances that just kill me because they they bother me so much. It's it's the two chaperones on this uh, teenage you know high school like uh, European tour, played by comedians that I love, Martin Starr from Silicon Valley and JB Smoove from Curb Your Enthusiasm, and it feels like every line they say was written to be a joke, and it they all fall flat, and they just oh. feel like they're trying too hard. So he didn't uh, bring the ruckus? He did, he did not bring the ruckus. Um, <laughs> what I will say is that Mysterio was done way better than I could have expected. And I mentioned that hmm. I think Jake Gyllenhaal was fine. I don't think, like, he he didn't elevate the 
character underneath the costume the way Michael Keaton did. Oh yeah. Um, in in the movie that preceded this one, but I I you know Mysterio as a as a villain his whole shtick is he's an illusionist that with like smoke and mirrors and camera tricks and everything like that, and that can be. Even even for superhero movies, I feel like that was always a little bit too sci-fi out there for the movies before. You know, in hmm. the in the same way that you would never put Mister Freeze in one of the Nolan Batman movies. <laughs> that just, that's just yeah. not part of that world. You don't have a guy with a, a gun that shoots ice like that right. way. That that just didn't work. But I feel like now with what we can do, like with holographic technology, with like deep fakes that you see online or like videos and everything like that. This is like the right time for Mysterio and his gig, and what they do with it is just really, really incredible. So I thought that was that was good, but the movie as a whole had some problems. Well, that's cool. Then I, I will I will say because I haven't seen this one, I agree with your ranking. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I have it right there too. <laughs> uh, so at number sixteen, I have Doctor Strange. Uh, this is one that. My biggest problem with this one was I felt like they played it too safe. Um, I wanted them to do crazier, weirder shit with the magic. Like, even stuff that would have fit, fit into the Marvel milieu of, like, their their style of humor. You know, where you, you could have a scene where Strange is, like, reading from, like, a magic book or something like that. And, mm-hmm. like, he turns the page and, like, some weird tentacle monster jumps out and, like, grabs him and starts choking him as to, like, fight it back. Like, a two-second sight gag. But something sure. that would have felt like it belonged in these Marvel movies or something. But yeah, I almost felt, like if James Gunn did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but instead I felt like they were like, let's just make it like Matrix style Kung Fu with magic and using a lot of tricks from Inception. The whole movie felt like stuff that I had seen before until about the last 20 minutes when Strange goes to the Dark Dimension and has his face off with Dormammu Mm -hmm. and actually uses a different technique to confront him and says, I don't have to win. I can lose again and again and again for all time. And that was like, I was like, this is a really clever climax. And this is something I haven't seen before. So, Except for War Games with Matthew Broderick. <laughs> there you go. The mutual assured destruction. Um, so I, I love the end of it, but the rest of the movie I felt like was fairly a, a, a kind of tame and predictable superhero origin. Now, let me ask you this. Is that because of Doctor Strange comics? Or is that just as, as you view this movie compared to the other films? Um, compared to the other films. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, that, that's not necessarily based on the comics. I mean, I, I've read comics where he's gone into much weirder, trippier places. Okay, um, okay. I have this, I have Doctor Strange ranked much higher than yours. I actually have it, like, in, in well, it's in the top ten for me. Um, and I think it was because I found it interestingly different. Now, yeah, I agree with you. There was a lot of borrowed elements from things that we've seen. How, it's almost ironic when you say it feels like stuff you've seen before because that's how the movie kind of ends. But, um, you know, there were certain things like Inception and I did find, I, I drew an immediate comparison to the end of War Games when I saw that with, you know, Matthew Broderick getting the computer to play tic-tac-toe against itself until it realizes it's it's never ending. It'll go on forever. So then it does, you know, right. I thought that was really clever and cool. But just just in the it, just in the it, the simple fact that I thought this was just a special effects extravaganza, but the effects were up to par with where I felt they would need to be for a movie that was heavily all CGI. 
Um, I thought this movie was strangely interesting and, and, and fun and different than, you know, the Avengers destroying New York city kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is like for, for me who, you know, I'm a big fan of realism and everything. This is probably the outlier to this, this, I just, I, this movie, I watched a second time again recently and I was, I was thoroughly entertained. And I think your opinion probably falls more in line with most of the other people I've heard that kind of like plank, just place this in the bottom half. You know, yeah. they don't say it's terrible. They just put it in the bottom half. I actually had this, I elevated this to the, to the upper half, uh, the better half of the films. Hmm. Well, then I know we're going to disagree on the next one. <laughs> because <laughs> for me, number 15 is Thor Ragnarok, um, <laughs> which for me like, is the first time I heard you at all passionate about one of these movies and quoting the movies because <laughs> I, I remember us discussing like the Thor and the Hulk lines from this movie and I, they never get old by the way yeah the reason I have this one at number 15 which is, is fairly low on my list because I know like you a lot of people that I know uh, really love this movie and would have this much higher for me again it's a tale of two different movies the stuff on the planet Sakaar when Thor is with Hulk and Tessa Thompson's character and his brother and Jeff Goldblum as a Grandmaster. That whole middle chunk is stuff that I love. Mm-hmm. And the opening, actually, when Thor is fighting the the lava demons in Muspelheim to the uh, oh, yeah. to the Led Zeppelin song is one of my favorite like opening like action pieces. The, all that stuff I love, but the stuff again going back to Asgard with Hela and her quest to just kill off the Asgardians and how. How simply, matter-of-factly, dismissively, she kills off his dad, and then she kills off his best friends from high school, and like the kid, the guys that we saw in the other movies, and how he doesn't really shed a tear for them. He he cares more about the fact that his hammer got destroyed than he does about the death of all of his friends. I, I felt like I was watching tonally two different movies, and the stuff that was fun, that was lighthearted on that planet, I loved. That like some of my favorite bits. Sure. But the stuff on on Asgard with Hela and and Scourge, the Executioner, I just didn't care. It was like I I rewatched the movie and I Wait, just Carl Urban. Skip. You didn't like Carl Urban? I, he was fine, but <laughs> yeah, I, I just wanted to skip through those scenes. Yeah, um, yeah. Whole, I, I, no, I can I can tell you his whole part in the movie was all based on the very the last scene where he's shooting at the demons with two M16s, which is a direct lift from a comic book, which is like the only great moment that character had in the comics. And Taika Waititi said, "I have to put that in that movie." That's the only reason his character is in the movie is for that <laughs> moment with the two M16s. See, see, that's see, that's fair. Now, I'll I'll, I'll grant you that you again because. Because I had absolutely no expectation. Um, as a matter of fact, I would even say I had very low expectations when, when by the time this movie rolled around. Um, first of all, it was because I had already kind of given the fact that Thor just kind of bored me, mm-hmm. and I thought he was best used and served being in the team up films. Yeah. I was like, at this point, I'm like, he can't carry a film. I was just like, I just, I, I'm like, I'm sorry, that's not going to work. And then the marketing campaign for this movie looked like a 1980s throwback. It was like the, <laughs> yes. you know, it was like Stranger Things again or something. And I just remember thinking, what are they doing? I, I really thought that there's no way this could work. But then the opening, the opening sequence, like you talked about, where he's spinning in the chain, and as the as the, the lava demon's given his, I can't remember the thing's name, but as he's given the the you know the speech about how he's going to just what Ragnarok is, and Thor's like, wait, hold on, hold on a second, you know, as he's, I was all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a second, okay, 
I don't know. I, like, I got to throw out every my preconceived notions about what this movie is going to be because this isn't what I expect. I'm like, Thor's funny. Yeah. Like, this, yeah. this, this is kind of cool. And then, yeah, the stuff, I, I mean, I'll, here's, here's what I'll grant you. The reason I have this movie ranked as high as it is, and believe it or not, I have this number three. Hmm. This, is, this is top three. And the reason is not because it is the third best Marvel movie of them all. And it's not the third best made, third best script, third best directing. It's none of that. It's because this movie, I was the third. I, I enjoyed the third most out of all of them. I, I could watch this over and over and over again. And every time I see the banter between actually like mostly with Thor and Hulk, but also the, the Thor and Banner, you know, kind of stuff when he's, when he's like talking about Robert Downey or, or he's like, Iron Man left me these clothes or whatever, you know, his, <laughs> yeah. wife, you know, just, and he's wearing a real, like Rio from Duran Duran t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were just so many little things in this movie. I, I laughed out loud pretty much start to finish. And so I forgave a lot of the, the things that you kind of mentioned. Yeah, there's holes in it. There's holes in everything, you know, right. in a lot of these plot points. But I, I, I thought, and, and then the, you know, not only to use Led Zeppelin's immigrant, immigrant song in the opening battle, but also when he comes back at the end with lightning. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, if you can squeeze a Zeppelin song in twice in a battle, <laughs> I'm like, I, I kind of like, you can't go wrong. I'm sorry. I was like, I was like that. And, and you know, it was just perfect. And then Hulk wants to kill the monster. And he's like, <laughs> no, Hulk, <laughs> yeah, big monster. I mean, it was just and and I, w- I will also say too which this I kind of viewed this movie equally as a Hulk movie than just a Thor movie mm-hmm. and the, you know I knew that there were legal issues with why Universal wouldn't give up the rights to use a Hulk standalone film and right. all this stuff I was I was well aware of that beforehand but I thought the Hulk was underused in everything else and my connection as we stated at the very beginning of this podcast um, my connection to the MCU was solely based on the Hulk. That was the only character I knew. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but I just, all of a sudden they had this element where I love the fact, I love it when a movie doesn't treat the audience like we're idiots. Right. And what I mean, what I mean by that is Hulk's been on this planet for years. We don't know how much time's passed, but we know something changed. All of a sudden he can't turn back in the banner and he talks now. <laughs> but they didn't feel the need to give us exposition and explain it. I was like, it's it's not necessary. Right. Like you know that, and I love it when a movie does that. Treat us with intelligence. Treat us with with respect. We can fill in the holes where they need to be, and if it's not important, you don't need to explain it. And and that was I really thought for a Hulk for a Hulk movie, I was like, this is just great. <laughs> this is great. I, I thought he was one of the most. I mean, I, the the fight sequence. I'll even go so far. And the last thing I'm going to say because. I don't want to talk too long about this. Um, <laughs> the last thing I'll say is I don't even know if the CGI in the ring was the greatest. I think that it could have been better. I think that they still improved on CGI once they got to the Infinity Infinity mm-hmm. War and Endgame yeah. and stuff. But it was still so entertaining that I almost didn't care that it felt like at certain parts it looked kind of like, okay, I'm watching a video game. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was okay with that. So <laughs> that's it. That's where I got. This movie's top three for me. You tiny Avenger. <laughs> I, I oh my god i could do a whole podcast on great lines from hulk so. <laughs> yeah. like right. fire hulk like fire 
<laughs> Smoldering. Puny fire. <laughs> yeah, puny veg. Anyway, okay, right. let's go. <laughs> so, uh, for number 14, uh, I have Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, I know some people on this network will be disappointed that this one is ranked so low. Uh, and for a while, I had this one much higher on my list when this list was a lot shorter. When it was only like <laughs> 10 movies, this one was a lot higher. But it's since then, it's, it's kind of fallen a little bit lower. And... The first 45 minutes to an hour, something I love, I, I think this movie, like, you you kind of alluded to this before, like, going into these movies, I thought that Captain America was going to be the most difficult character to pull off, and the most dangerous character to integrate into this world, um, because he is a throwback, he is... Mm-hmm. He is a character with a 1940s sentimentality that's so old-fashioned, so pure of heart, so noble, kind of in, in like the Superman mold that he does good just because it's the right thing to do. It's like, how is that going to translate to a bunch of uh, to an audience that has kind of grown up with the X-Men movies and, and Wolverine at this point and stuff like that? Yeah. Like, is this going to work? Uh, and, and then when I heard they cast Chris Evans, who... I knew, I, I mean, I knew him from the Fantastic Four movies, and then I think I had seen one other movie called London. Um, My favorite where, fantastic movie. Yeah, yeah, and, but most of the movie that I remember, he's just, he's in a bathroom snorting coke talking about his ex-girlfriend. Oh, yeah. um, oh, yeah. So I knew, that, I knew that he could do serious, but I was just kind of like, this guy has got to be in the room with Robert Downey Jr. and Samuel L. Jackson and not shrink under their shadow, and I don't think he's capable of it. Um, I, now, I am so glad that I am wrong, because he was so good in this part and what they did to build his origin in the beginning before he ever gets the superhero soldier serum you Mm. believe in steve rogers you know the man he is that he will not back down from a fight that he knows he was going to lose um and and the fact that he is willing to throw himself on a grenade and and all these things as like a 90 pound weakling you you love this guy as as the hero you believe he is who was by the way, who was never supposed to be the super soldier Avenger type of character. He was a lab rat, as Tony Stark mm-hmm. calls him. He was the beta test. He was supposed yep. to be the first of an army of these super soldiers. It, the destiny wasn't supposed to be all on his shoulders, and that's part of what makes him special. But I, I think just all of that leading up to his first rescue mission where he saves Bucky and the the rest of the, like the howlers and everything and brings them back after after seeing mm-hmm. the red skull. I think all of that is in a great movie. But after that, I, I think David Ace Gutierrez kind of pointed this out is you never really feel like there's a threat worthy of him afterwards. Hydra and the Red Skull never feel like they're that serious of a problem. It's like Cobra in a G.I. Joe cartoon or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Very it much. just it, the stakes never get higher than they do after the first act. So, yeah. Um, well, it's it's funny, interesting. You kind of make a, p- a compelling case to rank the movie higher as you describe it. It's 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 funny. Uh, you almost made me like it more again as you described it because Which I would have had because this... I really like the other movies <laughs> above it. Yeah, so. yeah, sure. Well, and again, that's that's going to be a prerequisite to everything we rank. You know, they're they're all. Yeah, I agree with you. There was nothing wrong with this movie. Um, I have it ranked almost at about the same place, and I'm not going to add a whole lot more. To what you described, you know, you hit the nail on the head with uh, the make you compassionate about Steve Rogers and stuff. And I remember, I remember hearing at, at around the time the casting of it, and I remember 
Chris Evans was the, I would say, I, I mean, of the big, of the of the prime characters and stuff, he was the most reluctant to take the role because he, you know, I'd heard different stories, but I kept thinking like, Jesus, if somebody came to me in Hollywood and offered me the role to play, uh, you know, a superhero in an Avengers movie, how could you even consider, like why, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'd be, I'd be, have pen in hand already. But, you know, I, I heard that he was a little reluctant, first of all, because I guess he's a very reluctant um, celebrity. He doesn't necessarily want to be a celebrity kind of thing. I don't know if that's true or not. That's just one of the things that people talk about. He's very private to himself. But also because he thought, I don't know how they can give this guy a conflict if he's very much like the boy, like Superman, like you described, like where's the inner struggle going to come from? You know, yeah, it can be just take this one character who's out of time and put him in a new time kind of thing. But how do you build on that? And and so, I, you know, I was kind of interested just in the sense that, first of all, I thought it was very cool to do a period piece hero, a superhero movie. I thought that was neat. That was that was neat. And that was kind of original. And then. Um, as I saw this movie, like you said, I started to fall for this character, and and I, I mentioned this before, but going into the movie, I would have easily thought Captain America is going to be the most boring. And then going out of the movie, I, I thought, like, wow, he's far more interesting than what I thought. Thor is actually boring, you know, that kind of thing. So I thought that what Chris Evans did was spot on and perfect. And the only thing I'll add to it is just I, I agree with you that just, there's just the rest of the movies ranked higher are just better. Yeah. So at number 13, I have The Incredible Hulk. And I have seen a lot of lists that have this one ranked at the bottom. And Me I too. think that is very unfair. And I think the reason is this one, I, I think the biggest sin is this one feels irrelevant now. Yeah. Um, largely because of the recasting of Edward Norton. They, they they changed the main character, so it doesn't look like the rest of the movies in the world. And I also think, stylistically, like, there's something about the tone of this movie that doesn't... This was, I mean, this was the second movie. Like, it came out, like, a month after Iron Man. They didn't yeah. have the Marvel machine yet. So this yep. is very early, and it this tonally kind of feels like a movie that f- came out before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It kind of looks that way, too. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have... It, there are some funny parts in this movie, but it doesn't quite have the same humor. But I, as as a standalone Hulk movie, I love this. And I actually prefer Edward Norton as the Dr. Banner character. And I think he is a little bit more true to the spirit of a guy who is very arrogant and not really socially adept. And, and not like he keeps everybody at arm's length. I think the change of, of putting Mark Ruffalo in and what Joss Whedon did, he the changes that he made to the character were necessary to make the Hulk a team player who would work with the Avengers yes. in the shared universe. Well said. But yeah. I don't think that's necessarily true to the Hulk because like in in the grand scope of like the Marvel universe, the Hulk was in the first couple of Avengers comics but he was not really a team member. Like the first, the first Avengers comic was about them fighting the Hulk because Loki tricked him into going on a rampage, and then he had to team up to fight Loki with them. And then the rest of the time, it's like they're they're trying to keep him from not going on another rampage until he right. finally just leaves, <laughs> like issue three. So he, for me, he's never really been an Avengers team member. So I feel like they they tweaked him, and and I think Ruffalo's performance kind of softened the character. To the to the betterment of the movies, I will say it worked for the movies because it made the character 
simpatico a little bit closer with Iron Man and with this world so that you could see him part of the team. Yes. Um, so the changes that they did make worked for the movies. But as a fan of the comics, I think The Incredible Hulk feels much more in keeping with my frame of reference of where I'm coming from, and probably you too, as as coming off of the 1970 TV show. TV show. Yep. Um, so yeah, there, I just I think it's it's not a flawless movie. There are certainly problems, but as a as a Hulk movie, I really like this one. I think the story is fine. It's solid, um, and I really like Norton's performance as Banner more so than Ruffalo's. So yeah, yeah, okay. I've uh, yeah you. Boy, I don't even know where to start with this one. Um, I liked this movie a, a lot. I remember being let down because I had very high expectations and wanted it to be better. But that was also this movie, in my opinion, suffered from being so closely followed so uh, or preceded so closely by Ang Lee's movie, which I thought was horrible. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't. It was like it felt like they were just like almost like within the for, uh, within a couple of years, they just did it again with new actors and stuff. And so I remember I just had a bad taste in my mouth with the Hulk at this point. But when I saw it, I was I was very entertained. Um, for all the reasons you said, I liked it. It mirrored to me. I had no knowledge of this comic book Hulk and, and, you know, the fact that he would ever team up this to me, you know, in the Avengers, when I, when I first went into that kicking and screaming, I should say, um, <laughs> I, I was, I was much like, there's like, he's, you can't control, like, this is like Batman being in the justice league. I was like, it doesn't make sense. He wouldn't, he wouldn't join them. You know, I, I, I had trouble with that concept. But I loved what, you know, this movie mirrored or it felt very much in line with everything I loved about the TV show about this guy kind of just on the run and, you know, counting the days. And then the movie ended with like, now he's gone again. Nobody knows where he is. He's out in the woods. And then all of a sudden, the you know, how many days since his last incident kind of stuff. He's just trying to find a way to cure himself. Like I loved, again, I've said it before, the humanity of this character, this this turmoil that he's struggling with, this guilt kind of thing that he doesn't want this. That's been, you know, been that happened to him. The only thing that I would take away from this movie, and this is just me being more of a fan of the TV show was I thought then once they had him Hulk fight a super monster, I was like, okay, now you just lost me. Like, you know, I, I would much rather just have this movie be like him trying to control himself and maybe almost risking doing damage to innocent people because he can't control kind of stuff. You know, I was like, you don't need to have a super monster. Just have Hulk fight anybody. He could be fighting the army, chasing him. You know, you could, you know, those type of things. So it was just in the third act of this movie that I was just like, and again, remember where this movie fell in line with the Marvel movies. I hadn't yet opened up to the world. So I was still like, I, I, you know, this was so early on in the, in the, the release, you know, the chronological releases of the films that I kind of saw this and I was like, this is dumb. This is stupid. I don't want to see two, two cartoon monsters fight each other. Mm-hmm. So that was the only place it lost me. Other than that, I, I, you know, I loved, I loved the character. I loved what, I loved what Edward Norton did too. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Uh, then at number 12, right in the middle, I have Ant-Man and <laughs> your response, I think is the same <laughs> as I heard from so many people like Ant-Man is that even a real thing? <laughs> and I am like the one of the few people who knew that Ant-Man was a real character. And not only that, but I liked Ant-Man. I thought he was cool. I thought shrinking down and doing all of this kind of adventure stuff, going inside of computers and like wrecking shit from like, like the, I, I thought that was like fun and he had a cool helmet. So I was like, I hope Ant-Man is really good. And 
I think the movie is fine. It, it makes a lot of changes to the source material, which was like the hardest thing for me to swallow. Is I was like, I was too close to the comics and everything. And I was like, why did they change that? They didn't need to do that. But mm. I think like Paul Rudd was fun. He was funny. He was it was enjoyable for the movie. And my favorite thing about it was after I saw the movie, little kids were leaving the theater saying they wanted to be Ant Man for Halloween. And I was like, that is that is. <laughs> I'm like floating on my way to the car just because I I felt I felt validated yes yes that was that was good so yeah, I, I I probably would rank this movie in the, almost the same place. I'm not going to disagree with you there. I think uh, <laughs> this is probably the one movie that even after I was fully invested in the Marvel Universe and I knew that there was a an overarching story that we were following with the Infinity Stones, we hadn't gotten to it. You know, we weren't that far along yet. But I knew now because of the post-credit sequences that they were all connected. Mm-hmm. So at this point. But this was a movie that I still said, I'm not going to see that. Like, I was like, I don't care how vital it is to the rest of them i'm just not going to see it i'm like i'm not going to see a movie about a guy that gets big or small I'm like, <laughs> like that's i'm sorry you can't interest me in it. and i only saw it because there was, came a point when i was like okay now i'm just trying to catch up i want to see what everybody else is talking about i want to prepare for the next one and blah 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 so i saw i think it was on home video it was already out and streaming didn't see it in the theater but it, you know it was a light-hearted fun kind of heist movie you know <laughs> it was like i dug i dug the relationships between the guys and uh in the van and and paul rudd is all you know he's always he's he's good in just about everything except for you know, halloween five or six but you know <laughs> but <laughs> i'm not gonna hold that against him <laughs> <laughs> yeah that wasn't his fault um so so yeah that's pretty much all i'm gonna i would say about that this movie i can't i i guess if anything in hindsight i can't believe this movie is a part of the universe and it did well yeah, but right. but I saw it and I'm like, eh, well, I get it. It's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So then, at number eleven, uh, just not making, not cracking the top ten. But this was one of the movies that I cited was probably one of the best made movies, is Guardians of the Galaxy, and this one, whew, like. When I, as much as a fan of, like, I remember when Kevin Feige, it was like, it was at SDCC when they announced their phase two slate, basically. They were doing sequels to Iron Man, sequel to Thor, sequel to Captain America, and a sequel to the Avengers. And oh, by the way, Guardians (laughs) of the Galaxy. I'm like, the hell? What? 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 I was like, who, who, wait, I think I know those guys, but wait, what? Like, doesn't that comic take place in the year 3000? Like, I, like, I knew they were space, but I was like, why are you doing these guys? And then, like, when I would, like, they started, like, doing the marketing, I was like, so the, the movie itself was nothing like the comics that I had, uh, I had read or what little I knew about them. It was really James Gunn just doing his own thing with the, these characters to the betterment of both like the, the movie and also the comics because the comics have now folded in the changes that he made and are mm. written more like his stuff. But this was one that when I first saw it cerebrally, intellectually, I was like, that was a really good movie. That was really well made. That was a great fun space adventure movie that made me care about a raccoon and a tree. <laughs> I was like, and, and the dance off to save the universe. I was like, this, oh, God. Is, yep. this is really good. But at the same time, the other part of me was like, I'm pissed off that it didn't lead into Avengers Age of Ultron, which was the next movie on the docket. I was like, I really wanted more setup for that. I felt mm. like this was a distraction. And I didn't care about these characters as much as the others because I didn't have the same 
investment like going in like I didn't I, I cared about Iron Man and Captain America before so I liked their movies I was like this one I was like I don't care about Star-Lord and Gamora like I, I don't none of these people mean anything to me so I didn't have it. What this movie lacked almost any kind of fan service so that in a weird way kind of turned me off of the movie while I could still respect I was like that was a really good movie I should like this more than I do and then I think after after a few more movies came out and when I could actually see, I was like, okay, I, I actually kind of think I know where they're going and why this has to be introduced because of what how it's going to connect to Thanos and the stones and everything. When I could put that piece in the puzzle, then I liked this movie a lot more. But then it, <laughs> it kind of fell back down because of other movies in the series. So what do you think about Guardians of the Galaxy? <laughs> <laughs> well, for every reason that you said you kind of didn't – you didn't love the characters. You didn't – you were. Uh, this is the reason I have this movie almost top five. I have this, <laughs> yeah. ranked, I have this ranked six on my list, and it's because – I didn't love any of the other characters before this, so and I've got a I've got a really funny story. Um, going back to my initial description, we talked at the very beginning of this podcast, like days ago, when um, Chris, my roommate, had mm-hmm. paid me to see Avengers and everything. He tricked me to see this one because he never once alluded to the fact that this was part of the MCU. I had no <laughs> idea, not a clue, that it was a comic, let alone connected to the other movies. I just thought like, you know, he was just like, Oh, this is a really funny space comedy. And I'm like, okay, cool. I was, I was, you know, I was like trying to compare it to weird, you know, it just seemed like a throwback. It had a good soundtrack kind of thing. So he duped me into seeing this. (laughs) And all of a sudden then I'm halfway in. And by the way, I loved the characters. I I fell for all the relationships, everybody. It was just so well done. And I I just thought this was just a really well done movie. Mm -hmm. Even probably, I thought this movie probably, and it probably better served the overall 23 stories than Ragnarok did. Sure. You know, yet still being comedic and everything. But I just, I just, I just absolutely remember being like, I felt like duped. I was like, I can't believe you tricked me into seeing this. I mean, this movie, for a while, I, for, for, for a certain amount of time, and as you'll see going forward, this movie, this movie was my favorite Avenger uh, uh, MCU movie for a while. Yeah, credit to James Gunn, like coming out, like even after like what, what Joss Whedon was doing, I was like, this movie is funnier than any of the other movies, and the emotional beats with like Peter C. Yep. and his dying mother, and and Groot, you know, saying "We are Groot" as he's about to die and everything. I was like, holy shit, this is hitting me harder like emotionally than some of the other. It's like it's like this was just a better made movie, but for other reasons. It didn't crack my top ten. Now, you know, you ask me a week or a month or a year from now, it might. Um, but for now, at my number ten uh, is the Black Panther. Uh, and when this first came out, I loved this so much that it was in my top three, like right after I saw it. Mm. Um, now, part of it is that, again, I've always liked the Black Panther character. Like when I first discovered him on a trading card, I think of all things, but like before I read a comic. Um, I just thought he was really cool. He looked like Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe. He was like a black ninja (laughs) character. Didn't seem to have any superpowers other than just really, really strong and really athletic. Very kind of simple. But he was also a tech genius who was the the ruler of the secret kingdom. 
Uh, he looked at the world the, more like a mafia boss than than uh, like a superhero, or like a king. Like he was suspicious of everybody. He joined the Avengers just to figure out what they were capable of in case he ever had to fight them, which was <laughs> a plot point that Batman would later rip off in an, in a Justice League story. Um, <laughs> I just I you know I thought Black Panther was cool, and I really I loved his introduction in Civil War, and I really wanted his movie to be good, and I thought it was, and I was happy with because Ryan Coogler had directed. Creed, and I loved that movie. So I liked it now. Since then, it has fallen down a few things because I think the action sequences in this are fairly weak or just kind of generic. And I know a lot of people kind of, I think, went more to the extreme that, you know, oh, Killmonger was right or Killmonger is the most sympathetic character. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily true, but I do think it does have the problem where. T'Challa is not the most compelling or most interesting person in his own movie. I think he yes. does get overshined by Michael B. Jordan and also by all of the women in his movie, his sister right. and um, Denai Guerrero's character. I, I think she's terrific too. So there's a lot I like in this movie, but it's not. It's got some flaws, and I I have a feeling if if I wait a little bit longer, this movie could fall even further down in kind of like the middle of the road of the movies. So. Yeah, well, probably like what you said about Captain Marvel. I think the reason this movie is falling is because you're a racist. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, kidding, people. Um, no, he's just, he just hates women. Not rude. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I probably I have this movie kind of where you do kind of in the middle, like right on the cusp of being in the better half and everything. And it, it, I, this is a movie that didn't appeal to me in theaters when it came out. I only saw it again on streaming. I wasn't going to run right out and see it. Even after this movie had become like this movie was setting February box office records. And it was just, you know, and everybody, and of course we were already in the lead up to infinity war. Right. And this movie was still playing. Like, I mean, everybody in the world said, you got to see this movie. This plays, it doesn't matter what demographic you fall into, you know, whatever. But I just remember feeling like the character itself didn't appeal to me because of what I've seen him in Civil War. And I just felt like he wasn't all that necessary. I was like, he was the outlet. You know, I I was like, eh, you know, I'll kind of, it's like another Ant-Man kind of thing. I'm like, nah, I don't really feel like I need to see it. But then I did see it. And when I saw it, I, I loved what Ryan Coogler did with it. I, you know, obviously we both agree with him as a director. Um, I have a very, very long history connection to Michael B. Jordan because I, I felt like I discovered him when he was on Friday Night Lights. And in the years when that show got unpopular and it was going to be canceled every single season, it was like, you know, he, then they rebooted the show because they thought it was going off the air. So then they started over. So he was on that. And then I saw Fruitville Station with him. Um, and I just huge fan of his right off the bat so when i saw this movie i was like awesome i love the fact that he's in this but then like you said i'm like yeah but he's he's more interesting than the other guy Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where i would put this movie i thought this movie was surprisingly you know i know that society in general sociologically people will say that this was a great movie for african americans i thought that this was surprisingly a very strong women's empowerment movie that not not didn't get a lot of attention yeah i don't i definitely agree yeah yeah I, i was kind of surprised that there was like most of the strong the whole cast is only or half the cast are strong women that are awesome and it's their their struggle and they they have to save him and whatnot so i i i like that movie for all those reasons and again it's a it's a solid movie really good movie but i put it right in the middle just because the other ones coming up that we'll talk about are better and i kind of i didn't feel a need after this movie to see it again 
All right. Then for number nine, I've got Spider-Man Homecoming. And this was one that I went into with some... I don't want to say nervousness, that's too strong, but not caring as much. I mean, I'd, I'd always liked Spider-Man. He was never my favorite, but he was always a, a really... I, I liked him enough, and I was excited. I liked most of his other movies, but it was just... He had had five other movies. His universe had been rebooted so many times. <laughs> I just I wasn't excited for another one. And also, I felt like this was one where I felt like I had seen everything in this movie from the trailers. I think it was a problem with Sony, because so- this was really a Sony movie that the MCU kind of controlled creatively, but the marketing felt like Sony, and they just showed me everything, and I was like, oh my god, I, like, I, I, feel, I, I know too much about this movie, so I wasn't expecting a lot of surprises. Mm. But when I saw it, I thought it was a very interesting take, grounding him, putting him in Queens, more of a street-level, young, learning curve making Tony Stark his moral center instead of Uncle Ben. Just kind of a, an interesting... I, I thought it was a very interesting take. It was funny, it was comical. But I thought Michael Keaton and what he was doing with uh, with the Vulture character mm. was just great. And and I remember the, the scene when they're in the car together when he's driving oh, to yep. the to the prom or to the, the, everything. And I was, like, <laughs> I was like, this is the scariest villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And yep. he's not wearing a costume. He's yeah. just a dad trying to protect his family. And I was like, "Holy shit, this is this is different." And yeah, and let me Spider- throw, let me throw yeah. this out there. I want I want to cut in really quick because I did, and I'll let you finish. But I had the weirdest comparison when I saw that scene, and I want to know if you connect to it at all. That scene in the car reminded me of the scene in True Romance when Christopher Walken is about to kill Dennis Hopper. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know why, except it was just this foreboding you know that conflict is coming both men know it and they're you know and and they're talking about something frivolous kind of you know i think that was kind of like where yeah the tension in that scene was so incredible that was awesome (laughs) yeah and i I was surprised how much i liked it i was surprised the the things that they did worked and and I mean, making making the change to make Tony more central to Peter Parker's world, again, that's not something I, I thought I would like, but it served the world of the of the movies better. So I was I was okay with it. And and yeah, so I yeah, that's it's in my top ten. I, I enjoyed Spider Man Homecoming, yeah. Cool. Um I would say my first of all, I think it's okay, I'm gonna just I'm gonna throw caution in the wind and throw this out there. I always hated Spider-Man, okay? <laughs> Absolutely hated him. And for no reason. I had no reason. I just hated him, okay? That, that was me. I didn't like the fact that he was a whiny little bitch of a kid, and I didn't think a kid should have superpowers anyway. I was like, that's not fair. That's, you know, that's that's not right. And what the Tobey Maguire movies just kind of annoyed me because I don't like him. Okay. I don't like, okay, I don't like Tobey Maguire. So, um there was something about like when I'm like they're rebooting Spider-Man again. And after, I mean, I was like, how many reboots can we do? And then of course my initial fear is, is this going to be another origin story? I'm like, Oh my God, I cannot believe they're doing this again so soon. It's like, come on guys, like at least give it 10 years before you do another something along those lines. But with Spider-Man's appearance in civil war, which I would actually kind of consider like the first Spider-Man movie in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, 
wow, what this kid's doing with the role is different and likable. And I'm sure it's probably comic book accurate. At least it was for like the cartoons kind of thing, even though Spider-Man had a man's voice in the, car- <laughs> in, the in the old cartoons. But I was like, I really didn't want to like this guy. Kind of like I didn't want to like, as we talked about before, I didn't want to like anything about the MCU because I was like, no, I like Batman. You can't like another superhero. And Spider-Man was so freaking popular. It drove me crazy. I hated him. And this movie was pretty good. So, <laughs> I was like, Michael Keaton, I think, stole the movie. Next to, I, I, I put very, in a very close proximity, I put this as the best Marvel villain over Thanos. I think that they're close, but I like the Vulture better. And again, as everything I've talked about from start to finish today, it's because of the humanity of this, sure. what he brought to this role. That was something I'm like, this could be in everybody's life, and that's terrifying. Yeah. 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 Well said. Then for number eight, Iron Man, the movie that started it all. Um, And, I mean, I don't have much else to say other than, like, one of the reasons why I think this is among the best made, objectively, of the movies is... The, the phrase I used to say when I was describing this one is, this is a movie that doesn't have any fat on it. <laughs> and if you look at the way I've been discussing a lot of these Understood. movies... Understood, yeah. All, like, all the other movies that I've, I've talked about, there's things that I like, and there's things that I don't like, and there's, you know... Like, yep. this one doesn't concern itself with world building. For a lot of the movies, they got distracted when they had to worry about S.H.I.E.L.D. and, like, making the bridge to the Avengers and getting all this stuff. That was never a concern with this movie because they didn't bring that up until the post-credits stinger with Nick Fury, which right. I never saw in the theater because I left during the credits because I didn't think... Oh, I don't think, a, any, I don't think yeah. anybody did. This wasn't a thing at the time. I yeah. don't think anybody saw it in the theater. I didn't see that thing until YouTube the day after when I was like, what? There was a scene with Sam Jackson? Um, but yeah, there's no fat on this movie. It is just perfectly... There's nothing that I would cut from this movie. It is just a great origin setup of a character who by rights you should not like he is not the prototypical he's he's a self-serving drinking womanizing weapons dealer like who doesn't care about anybody and then he has like i i think he's got a, a the, the lines when he's telling the pepper he's like i he's like i shouldn't be alive mm-hmm. unless it's for a reason and i finally know what that reason is the lesson that he has to learn when Yinsen sacrifices himself, um, which is purely from the comics, except they took it out of Vietnam or Southeast Asia and put it in mm. the Hindu Kush mountains. It, it's, it's right there. It is this, it's the second chance for this guy who shouldn't deserve it. And he has to spend his life earning this second chance by making amends for all of the problems that he helped cause, or at least profited from. Yes. And I just think that's a great archetype that really, really kind of broke the mold and, and kind of like changed what we think of as a superhero archetype. That's um, where I'm going. That's exactly yeah, where I'm so, going. Yeah, go, so pick it up, yeah. Yeah, so uh, so this movie, honestly, has even increased in value to me as the rest of the movies have come out. Now that we've seen the rest of Tony Stark's story, play out over the course of films you know you go back and watch this one i actually have more of it Uh, this movie moves up the rankings continuously and i liked it when i first saw it i liked it a lot this did a lot and again i didn't see it in the 
you know, until after I saw the Avengers and stuff. But let's, let, you know, let's be clear about something. I this movie broke the mold of what I expected from superhero movies. This just broke it. This shattered the fact that I was like, this guy's a smartass. This, everything you just said, you just described it perfectly. This womanizing, boozing, drinking, smartass, self-serving interests, you know, weapons dealer. I'm like, that's what I aspired to be in everyday life. So I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking at this guy as, as the guy I look up to, but then he has that character arc that I want all my heroes to have. Where's the conflict come from? Where's the, you know, you created all this stuff. You're the response. You're the reason. Now you got to fix it. What are you going to do? kind of thing and that's where i i just prior to his character superheroes i expected and again i didn't know who the hell iron man was i couldn't believe there was a character named iron man but superheroes to me prior to that were you know the christopher reeve superman the adam west batman you know the, these type of things or the 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 bad television ones like the spider-man and the captain america on television kind mm-hmm. of stuff where they're just so cookie cutter and, and kind of stuff and even you know michael keaton's portrayal of batman Batman, which was technically accurate for the character of Batman. But, you know, Michael Keaton's a funny guy. He was great. And I, you know, you would expect him to have all the zingers in the lines and the fun, but that's not accurate for that character. So I kind of saw that and I was like, all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, this this superhero is a smart ass and he's not afraid to say who he is. What the <laughs> hell is this? This totally broke everything that I expected to see it. And uh, well, and again, there are two two more things. Number one is it, it, this lived in the world of the Batman that I like, which is this guy didn't have any special power. He wasn't any he wasn't any different than me, except you know, except for his brain and money, which you know yeah, those two things right. are hard to argue. But but this could exist in the world that I live in, and I thought that was amazing. And then on top of that, this movie didn't have Disney's stamp on it yet, so this movie mm. was when they could get away with having him make sexually inappropriate jokes. And, 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 you know, there was a lot, this, if you look, this was a Paramount movie. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you look at it now compared to what we know about what Disney lets go and won't let go and stuff, there's a, this is a racy movie for that, you know, even racier than Shane Black's Iron Man three. And we know what Shane Black does. Oh yeah. He, Tony jumps into bed with Leslie Bibb in the first 10 minutes of this movie, which yeah. And he's just, and and he's rude about it. And the stuff, the stripper pull on the airplane. And, and, you know, I, I mean, I just so this was the, yeah, this movie, the more I think about this entire journey that these 23 movies movies have taken us on, this movie etches closer to the top all the time. Yeah. All right. Then at number seven, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Now, this one was tough because when I first saw this, like for about a month, I had no idea what I like. It took me a long time <laughs> to kind of figure it wasn't until I saw it again, like when it came out, like that I, I really could evaluate this movie because I didn't think I liked it as much as the first one. But then watching it again, I really liked the whole exploration of these characters as a family unit. The the discussion of like Peter and his father, the, these elements. And this one developed the characters that I didn't care about in the first one. This one made me really care about Gamora and Nebula. And okay, I didn't sure. really care about them at all after the first one. I thought they were the most disposable characters. <laughs> and now right. I found them fascinating, their relationship, their sister, their rivalry, and the fact that they I knew they were going to have a pretty big plot point with Thanos coming up in the next couple movies. This movie made me care about Drax, or at least like Drax and find him funny. <laughs> and I didn't care about it. Like, I, I remember walking out of, like, uh, in um, the first Guardians of the Galaxy thing, Drax should have 
been killed. He should have been killed off when the first time he fought like Ronan or something like that. Mm. But I, I, I was cracking up with him. And the, the whole story, the whole like side adventure with Rocket and with Yondu, I was like, oh my god, it, like like it really connected with me. So yeah, there, there's just something about this movie. It's it's weird. It's colorful. It's loud. It doesn't seem like it's as cohesive as the first one. But I kind of like that. It, it's, it feels a little bit sloppier in a good way, and I, I just think it. There's just a, like a lot of weird family messy stuff going on in this movie that I yeah. like. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna add a whole lot to this. I didn't like this one as much as the first one. I had this one farther down in my middle of the pack to me. Still in the upper. I would say in the upper half, but probably right at the bottom. I would probably put this maybe 12 of, of, the, of the whole. Um, and the reason solely being that I just didn't find it as necessary, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, that kind of thing. Now, granted, they did explore dysfunctional family relationships in a lot of this stuff. And, and it was it was a well done movie. I mean, we're talking if you make the top half of the MCU universe, you're, it's a pretty damn good movie. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not knocking it. I just, you know, I once this was done, I didn't and I didn't I had no connection to oh these two girls have a you know this is coming i didn't know that so you know when this movie i just remember everybody went out and bought baby Groot dolls and bobbleheads (laughs) and that's that's all i saw so i just i just remember feeling like this was a funny movie i didn't find it as funny as the first one or as necessary and that's the only reason it's middle of the pack yeah all right then at number six just not quite cracking the top five but uh that says a lot about what is what movies are left over Number six, I have The Avengers, and I'm I'm going to make a case for why I'm wrong to rank it this low, <laughs> because uh, was it last year? It feels like it might have been longer ago, but I think last year uh, on this very network, uh, Shag hosted a NCAA tournament style bracket uh, tournament of all the superhero <laughs> movies. And we had superhero That's movies. brilliant. Yeah, That's and awesome. we had this big thing and. Uh, and I remember when I, I did this, I actually made a case that the Avengers should be the it should be considered the greatest superhero movie of all time, taking the place of what would have been Superman the movie, um, okay. because I think Superman was of an old guard like established like what the prototypical superhero movie should be, but I think the Avengers was what it is in the 21st century in this new age of the shared universe, the team up, the ensemble of bringing disparate elements from different movies and different franchises and linking them together in a movie that isn't just a team up, but as you said, it's really good. <laughs> it's like, it shouldn't, <laughs> yeah. like, it shouldn't have worked. It should have had everything going against each other, but Joss Whedon crafted this story so that from the beginning, the way characters are introduced are at exactly the right moment and, and dialogue segues from one scene to the next so that when Tony says, or when Steve Rogers says something, it leads into the introduction of Tony Stark's character. And when he says something, it introduces like the Hulk's character or something like that. And, and yeah. the way you build all of these up over the first couple of acts and, and like the way you light the fuse so that for the last 45 minutes, it can just be... Uh, you know, you know, like there's destruction in New York with like your heroes fighting monsters, and I just think it it was really well. It was it was a good Iron Man two and a half movie because it was like the way I sure, think, yeah. I think Joss definitely yeah. had a good handle on Tony, his personality. He 
saved kind of the Hulk or, or found a way of integrating Banner and the Hulk into a way that made sense for this. And I think the Hulk has like the best part of this movie. His, his lines are, are great. Um, he made Loki, for me, more interesting when I didn't think he was in the first uh, Thor movie. And I felt like the one weakness of the Avengers movie was I don't think Joss Whedon had a good handle on Captain America. That mm. would change later on. Um, but if at least for the first movie, I, I thought Cap was the weakest, most superfluous part, which made me nervous. Um, <laughs> but, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I just think it's it's a great superhero movie and a testament of like the, the sort of bedrock where the formula is for these things and where the benchmark is going forward. But, but uh, again, it's number six for me. So, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you've mentioned your reluctance to like this, but any additional yeah. thoughts? The, probably the thing that I would add, and again, the timing of when I saw this movie is probably what I, what what hurt me on my initial viewing of it, because you had backstories. I, the way that the Marvel Universe crafted the stories of everybody individually first, introduced them, so then you can throw them together in a team-up movie is great. I came at it backwards, you know, which is everything that I hate about what DC tried to do. You know, <laughs> I saw the Avengers before I saw the rest of those things, and all these – I'm like, I don't know who they are. But – I did appreciate, even on my initial viewing, the fact that up to this point, the one thing that drove me crazy about most of the prior incarnations of superhero movies was what like Joel Schumacher did with Batman, when he would have four villains, three villains in a movie, throw everybody together, but you have to introduce them all and give them all their origins. And it's like, then all of a sudden Batman's the least interesting person in the movie, like that kind of stuff that drove me crazy mm-hmm. leading up to a lot of this. So this broke that mold because my, I, you know, I'm like, okay, you're going to have a movie with six or seven superheroes fighting in New York. I mean, I'm like, any one of these, if each one of these guys gets their own standalone movie, we're supposed to believe that they're more powerful than anything else because they have to beat whatever threat they have. So now you got to put all of them together. I'm like, what could possibly be a threat to them? I'm, I, it was just kind of like, you know, what what in the world are they going to do that's going to make these five guys str- or seven people struggle or whatever? Mm-hmm. And... It's, you know, like I said, it, it did well. It, it, I reluctantly, and I'm, that's pretty much about all I'll say about it, I, I reluctantly loved this movie. Thought it was really, really good and was mad at myself for liking it and didn't want to admit it. And if anybody would have asked me at the time, I would have stuck to, nope, never saw it. Haven't seen it. Nope. I think I one did of... ask you at the time and you lied to me. Lied to my no, face. Of <laughs> Dude, I've lied to you so many times. It's, come on. <laughs> I lied to you about everything. Love you, bro. Touche. <laughs> See? Uh, get it? Boom. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no. I do I do just want to mention, I, I think my favorite part is uh, the Hulk's first transformation in the helicarrier after, like, the, the sabotage, oh. the bomb goes off and everything. Because we see it through Black Widow's point of view. And Joss made it a terrifying horror scene. Sure. Um, with her, with him being chased, like like it's in an alien monster movie or something like that. Like yeah. the way he framed it, and I thought yeah, that was I'll... a really good way of having a street level, literally powerless character, like yep. having to be exposed to the damage that the Hulk can wreak, where you could be killed just as collateral damage because he's walking through a wall. Yeah, um, I would actually say I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot to mention this before. I thought that was the one constant that was 
connected to the Incredible Hulk film standalone. Mm-hmm. I felt like it, the the first time you introduce him was that kind of thing that was like taken from the TV shows where it's like you don't see it happening. You know what's happening. You hear it. It's in the shadows. It's scary. Like all that. So yeah, that was that was the one constant that I thought or a consistent moment with the Hulk character that I thought carried over, which I liked. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so number five, Avengers Infinity War. Again, I, I mean, like, at this point, we're really splitting hairs with, like, yeah. what, <laughs> the, the reason why I like a movie is something, like, this is, I mean, we saw this one together, yep. um, and uh, it was, I mean, it's it's a great movie, like, and, and I kind of, like, said at the beginning how there's so much going on, so much, but, like, the story is incredibly tight, it's incredibly straightforward, because we keep the focus on these plot elements, and it, it trusts the audience enough to know that you don't need an origin or an explanation for every one of these characters, you just, they are in service to the plot, which could be the death of a good movie, you know, if, you, if it's not character-focused, but it's, it is about the characters and the way they do, but like you know, Thanos's agenda, Thanos's mission, and what he's willing to sacrifice, and and the scene where he he kills Gamora, I thought is incredibly oh, moving. Um, I, I loved. I I mean, I think. I mean, I could I could go on 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 Tony because I do think Tony's aside from his, Downey Jr.'s performance in the first Iron Man, which is great. I think his performance across Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame, like those three, his little like arc across those, is so incredible. Yep. Um, I actually I put this out on Twitter that I've kind of come around to a new way of thinking. If the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences gave Robert Downey Jr. an Academy Award nomination, even if it was understood to be just a cumulative, this is you know a, a, a lifetime achievement for playing Tony Stark in nine movies, I think it is yeah. or something like that, I would be fine with that. Like I, I yeah. have no problem with them giving him an, an award or a nomination or something just based on what he's been able to do with this character over over eleven years. Sure. I, I, and, I and to be honest with you, I think I kind of feel like they kind of you know remember when Lord of the Rings the uh, the Return of the King came out and they gave that a Best yeah, Picture they, nomination. I feel like that was kind of just because of the three movies. Right. Right. I, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So yeah, I would. I'm down with that. Um. But yeah, I mean, Infinity War. I, I liked Doctor Strange better in that movie than I liked him in his own movie. Uh, um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I it just it's it to me it felt like strangely like it, you could have taken the Avengers out of the title because the Avengers aren't really in it. It's like they're broken up at that point. That's kind of a crucial part of, yeah. of their their failure. But it felt like a Marvel event where we've got the Guardians of the Galaxy and we got. Iron Man and Doctor Strange and Spider Man, and we've got Captain America and his fugitive team and everything, and they all have their own little things that they have to respond when these aliens that are stronger than anything they've ever come up against come like start stealing these these things, having their own little heist of the of these powerful jewels and um and you know like I I think Chris Hemsworth his best work is in his scenes with Rocket um yeah. I, I think those are the best moments that Thor has in any of the movies so. Yeah, an incredible, an incredible job there. Yeah, um, well, I think it, it's it's no surprise. Basically, the Russo brothers top my list. I mean, <laughs> yes, just yes, yes. you know, they they really pretty much do. I mean, it's it's like four four of my top five. I would say, you know, for all the things that you mentioned too, I don't want to retread the same conversation, but this movie had heart that I didn't expect. Didn't didn't like. 
I knew it was a setup to a finale. I kind of, you know, all those things were said, but I just didn't expect it to have the emotional beats, including in the next one, which we'll talk about too. But the emotional beats kind of caught you, almost caught you off guard. Like mm-hmm. you just, oh my God, this had a lot of elements that, um, it was such a tight movie. It was so well, well shot, well scripted, well acted. I love how splintered all the characters were and defeated almost like an Empire Strikes Back yep. kind of film. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of that, like, and, and probably, you know, I remember the fr- Empire Strikes Back was the first time I ever saw a movie that ended on a cliffhanger. I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah. And then Good Guys Lost, and this movie did that. But it also, even though we now as a society are prepared for those kind of things, and we knew there was a sequel coming because it was being shot at the same time, I still remember at the end of this movie just being like jaw dropped. Yeah. You know, it was just like, oh my God. Now, here's what I find weird, and I'm going to kind of alienate a certain demographic of people here when I talk about this for a second, but I'm one of the rare people that liked Rob Zombie's Halloween reboot, okay? okay. So let me, let me let, not many people like that. Now, let me explain. I'm not saying it's better than John Carpenter's, so don't get me wrong, but John Carpenter's Michael Myers, the thing that made it terrifying, the thing that made the shape, as we know, terrifying was that he had no rhyme or reason. There was no exposition, no backstory. He was evil from day one, or as you would say, from jump. So there was, we didn't know anything about him, and that's what made it scary. That's what John Carpenter said he hated about Rob Zombie's version, because Rob Zombie created a backstory and gave Michael Myers as a kid a reason for doing what he does. He explained it to us. He gave us all this, you know, we could see the wheels turning and see the, you know, see it all happen and play out in front of us. I like that. I, I I didn't, you know, it wasn't necessary, but I liked seeing a character. Like when you see a bad guy, I like seeing the reason for why they're bad. I enjoyed seeing that. So again, like I said, I'm a rarity in that. I thought Rob Zombie's version of Halloween was great. Hated the second one, but <laughs> okay. like, like that one. But anyway, the reason I mentioned that is because this movie kind of did the same thing where you made Thanos a, a justifiable character, even if he's bad, even if you know he's evil and what he's doing is horrible. It's justified and you don't have to agree with it. But as an actor, every time I've ever been tasked with auditioning for a part or playing a part or even on a play or something with playing something, a character that's undesirable or bad or evil or makes questionable choices, I have to try to find that one thing that resonates with me that I do agree with in order to portray it truthfully. You know, that's, that's what, you know, this as you know, this is what actors do. You have to, there has to be something that other, otherwise you can't, you're just pretending and that's what kids do. But you know, you can't play, you can't live imaginary. You can't live truthfully in an imaginary circumstance if you don't believe in what you're doing and so long story short this was i thought what thanos did in this movie this was a thanos movie to me it was no i I completely agree and i think he is the best part of this movie i think he's the most compelling character i think brolin's performance as it is depicted through the motion capture and everything is great i love it um yeah no I, i completely agree I, I don't like zombies Halloween remake, um, for the for the reasons that you said. I, I think he gives them the backstory, but that makes it less scary. I uh, agree. No, no, no. I'm not. Uh, yeah. You're you're 100 percent right. I agree with that. All I'm saying is that I enjoyed seeing that aspect of the character because I thought it gave it. You know, that's that's yeah. It took away from the terrifyingness of Michael Myers. Now he was just now he's just a crazy kid that grew up and killed people. Right. Like there was it wasn't scary. So I'm I'm with you there and that's why I said I gotta be careful how I frame this. <laughs> I like John Carpenter's Halloween more. Let's be clear. All right. Well 
at the risk of alienating even more people, um, I think my number four pick is going to be pretty controversial among fans of these three. I, I think I am the only person who loved Avengers: Age of Ultron, but that's my number four. Um, and I've seen this—I've seen this movie in like the bottom five of some lists. Um, I, I don't know anybody else who liked it as much as necessarily the well, first Avenger, let alone more than Infinity War. But for me, this goes to the the sticking point and what I said, like that that element of fan service and what mm. gave me that reminded me of a kid. Like this reminds me of going more sort of comic book roots here. This reminds me of an Avengers comic from the run in the late nineties, early two thousands by the writer was Kurt Busiek and the artist was George Perez. Um, and they had a run of Avenger stories that they felt very classic and like they were, you know, kind of refreshing stories from the 60s and 70s, but putting a new kind of spin on them. And by the time their run ended, like the, the line was rebooted as the new Avengers and we threw in Spider-Man and Wolverine on the team and, and everything was different. And that God, run, I hate Spider-Man. <laughs> I, that, that run before them was kind of, to me, it felt like the last time the Avenger, like the, the last gasp of the old guard Avengers. This movie weirdly reminds me of that, and I think part of it is just the, the cast that it has. It introduces the Vision and Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, who were staples of those comics, and the the bad guy is Ultron, who is one of my favorite like villains. I love Spader's reading of the dialogue, the way that Joss Whedon wrote it as Ultron is like a cracked mirror version of Tony Stark. Like you look at his dialogue, and you can almost see Tony Stark reading those same lines. Um, you could you could almost hear Tommy Jr. reading that yeah. part in a more mechanical voice. They have a lot of the same inflection and the same delivery mechanism of, of that kind of sardonic aspects. And when you think about like <laughs> Donny Jr. and James Spader, like in a movie like Less Than Zero, Less Than Zero, <laughs> their, their history and the type of Hollywood that they have experienced, um, just really sort of like wow, very interesting. That's um, uh, that's very astute. Yeah, but like just kind of, I know the 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 movie is a mess. Like, it, it, like it goes all over the place. They go to, like, South Africa, and they have to fight the Hulk. Then there's this whole middle chunk where they go to a farm in Iowa to be with Hawkeye's family and everything, and it's, it's, it's clunky at places. It doesn't work, but every one of the individual scenes... Each one of the human moments and, the, and like the little dialogue bits, I think, is great. They are not strung together as tightly as they are in the first Avengers movie. I will concede that. The narrative that goes through all of them is not as strong. But each individual scene and each individual moment, I think, is a great example of dialogue and character building with great performances. Um, and, and I, I And I think that Joss did finally figure out who Captain America is and, and like made him like the hero that he needed to be to, to lead the Avengers. And the fact that like even something as simple as when they're evacuating the city at the end and they're jumping on the shield lifeboats as yep. the city is about to fall, the fact that Captain America is the last boots off the, the city, he's the last one to evacuate. He has to make sure everybody is safe before he leaves the battlefield. Uh, just that little touch meant the world to me so yeah there's just i i mean it's it's one of these things where i i it is purely subjective sure but i get i get more fan thrills from age of ultron than the other two avengers movies that we've mentioned so yeah that's 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 cool that's why it's my number four 
That's cool. I don't have it nearly as high as you. However, I will say that I do have it one slot above where I would put the first Avengers movie. Mm, So I I have it slightly better. And the reason is a little bit more because, I mean, I thought like the the fight with Ultron through the city and and chasing him down in the truck kind of thing. I liked that sequence. I thought that was shot really well and cool. Like it was a little more realistic than some of the, the New York battle scenes in the first one. And then I thought the whole... The, the climax of the, of the film on the on the city being lifted up as they're trying as they're you know trying to evacuate and it's gonna blow and all this stuff all the setup for that movie when I first saw this movie I didn't find it as necessary I just thought it was a sequel and I even kind of thought well how could something that we create in a science lab here be more threatening than what we already had with was from an alien race so I was kind of like there's no way this is gonna work but upon subsequent viewings and then knowing where the rest of the story goes and seeing how the fractions of the seeds that were planted in sowing dissent between Rogers and Stark and then mm-hmm. seeing Stark, you know, all these things kind of play out and kind of come to an end with this movie. And then you said, like, you can see the beginning of the divisiveness of the team and all this. I thought this this movie actually played better as time passed and I came back and saw it and I liked it more than the first one. Cool. Cool. Good. That's, <laughs> I, feel, I feel vindicated again. <laughs> well, it's it's just barely ten, but yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Um, well, then we get into number three, and this one actually dropped a few steps because this used to be my number one for a long time. I have Captain America: Civil War now at my number three spot, hmm. um, and this was my number one for a lot of reasons. I used to th- I used to like this one better than the Winter Soldier. Not because I thought it was a better Captain America movie, but because I thought it was a better MCU movie. Um, and the way it kind of, in, I mean, the things that it did, it introduced Spider-Man in a way that could have been clunky, but I thought was really, really well done. Um, it introduced Black Panther in a thing that could have been superfluous, but I think they gave T'Challa a good arc um, that was meaty enough for what the story called for as a, a sort of third perspective on the, the Tony and Steve uh, debate. Um, mm-hmm. I felt that uh, Stark was the best antagonist, not villain, but best antagonist, and it was such a great performance. I thought it was his best performance until the the Avengers two parter that, right. that came after, um, right. and his scenes going off uh, like were were so memorable. I also thought that the actual villain Zemo, uh, played by Daniel Bruhl, was very understated but very effective, and I thought he did a great job and was one of my favorite villains as a guy who doesn't have aspirations for world domination right. or blowing up anything. He just wants to kill the Avengers where they live, which is their connection, their family connection, and he does that by breaking them up in the most brutal way possible. Um, so I thought he, he was a very coldly efficient villain, and I, I think it was it was really well done, and the spectacle of the, you know, the super, the, the six-on-six battle at the airport and everything, you know, mm-hmm. the first time you see superheroes fighting other superheroes at that scale was incredible, but then bringing it down to the personal battle between uh, between Cap and Iron Man for the soul and the life of Bucky in between them at the very end, I thought was a much better battle because it was more emotional. It was more yes. personal. Oh boy, yes. Um, and and again, this is a movie that came out two months after Batman v Super- Batman v Superman, um, <laughs> like six weeks maybe later. 
And it's just like, yeah, there is, I mean, it's, it's number three for a reason. You know, the Russo brothers just nailed it. So there's, yeah, there's so much that I could talk about this movie, but I already have a lot. So what did you think of Civil War? Yeah, this movie's number two. Yeah, this movie, this this is the second best, in my opinion, the second best. Um, and and honestly, I would call this an Avengers movie. I don't, mm-hmm. I I almost don't know why it's a Captain America movie. I mean, <laughs> I understand where they were going and all stuff, but you know, this could have been Avengers Civil War. Yeah, very easily. And and I thought this movie was just fantastic. I thought everything that the Russos did at this point forward was just gold. But most importantly, for all the reasons you said uh, earlier, with like an Iron Man or something, there's not a lot of fat in this movie. Like every piece of dialogue is necessary and furthers the story. Every choice that a character makes is necessary and furthers the story. And this movie did a remarkable thing, have two key component characters at 100% odds with each other and not one not one looks like the bad guy. Yeah. It's yeah. it was I don't I I still look at this and I'm like I don't that's amazing. I don't know how it was done. I can you can it's so hard to craft a story without making 51% of the audience think one guy's a bad guy. But this movie split down the it's like 50-50. It's like you you could side with either person and neither one is villain vilified. So I I yeah, I mean, I'm, I can't add really anything more to that except this. I just thought this was just phenomenal filmmaking. And I do agree because now at this point, when I saw this movie now, I, I first of all, I hated DC now. I was ruined on, <laughs> on, that, on that. But also because I'd already gotten used to the Avengers team up thing and I've seen by the time I saw the airport sequence with all the things I was I mean, I was a fan. Yeah. This was probably this was probably the moment where it turned where I was like everything became must see viewing now. Yeah. Yeah. One of the the gripping things in the a scene that I come back to is the moment at the end where where uh, Zemo exposes the truth that Bucky was the one who murdered Tony's parents. Yeah. Um strangely it reminds me of the climax of the movie 7. And oh, when, yeah. when they take uh-huh. uh, Kevin Spacey's character, John Doe, out into the desert, and you, the audience figures it out like a uh-huh. fraction of a second before, before Brad Pitt does, that he murdered his wife and dumped her head in that box and everything. And, and Brad Pitt is asking his partner, he's asking uh, uh, Morgan Freeman, is it, what is in the box? Tell yep. me she's all right. Because he knows. He's like, tell me she's yep. all right. And... I think of that moment like when when Tony is looking at Steve and he's like, did you know? Did you know? And I'm like, yep. just freaking lie. Yep, just I said lie. the same thing. I it's said like, the same say, thing. It's like, you know what's going to happen. If he knows the truth, there's no coming back from this. Just lie and get him, get the gun yep. out of his hand. Yep, take it to your grave. Yes, I was exactly. like, I was literally, I was, yeah. I was like, oh my God. You, you need to disarm this situation. Tell him whatever he needs to hear. Yeah. And, yeah, oh. I would, I would, I, oh my God, I'm so glad you touched on that because I draw this, I drew the same conclusion to seven as well, like that same moment. And the one, like, obviously the consequences in seven were just, he'll, well, he's just going to kill the bad guy, which we want him to do and go to jail, you mm-hmm. know, and that's, that's, that's it. But, um, but with this one, I, I thought the, the raw emotion of, I mean, you don't, you just, don't, you know, 
action movies kind of overlook performance actors, how good the actors actually are. You know, you just kind of, this whole thing, you know, whether the fight was all stunt doubles or CGI or whatever, but the raw emotion in their faces, when that moment hits you, it hits the audience like a ton of bricks. It hits Robert Downey Jr. like a ton of bricks. And then his action, his look at Steve hits Steve like a ton of, you know, you're just, oh my God, there were, the stakes were never higher. Right. Than in that moment, which is like, like you said, even though the spectacle of the big airport sequence was amazing to watch and became, you know, you became, I became a fan watching it. It still wasn't as powerful as right. the, as the, as the one-on-one fight at the end. Right. And knowing, and knowing that no matter how it ends, things will never be the same. Yeah. That was just, you know, I just walked out of that, like, kind of like, oh my God, what just <laughs> happened? Yeah. So number two, and again, this one I used to have slightly lower than Civil War, but they flipped, and now I'm kind of thinking, should I flip them back because of what we just said about Civil War? But for number two, I have Captain America the Winter Soldier. And the reason I loved this movie from Jump, that one's for you, (laughs) is this movie did what I needed the, the franchise to do and what the Avengers failed to do, which was show me why Captain America is necessary in the 21st century. Because they cheated with the first Avenger by making it a period piece. And trust me, like as as a fan of the comics, like I can look at a picture of Captain America punching out Hitler all day long. (laughs) I, I love that. That makes me excited just to think about it. But the story that always made me more interested in Captain America wasn't with him fighting in World War II when he was created. It was the man out of time. What happens when this man is frozen and wakes up in a society he barely recognizes with moral values and ideas that are not the same that he grew up with? How does he reconcile this? And it's not just the the differences in technology and pop culture and stuff like that. It's just like, where does he find his moral center and his integrity and his loyalty? And what does it mean to be Captain America? What are you in service to? Is it the country? Is it the politics? Is it the idea? And like sort of asking all those questions, and I felt like this movie did it. This movie showed that Captain America is perhaps more relevant than ever, uh, and that he, he, he we need him to show us the way. And not just because he reflects an old-fashioned custom or something, but but because the like the the truth is bigger than the flag and bigger than the symbols and, and yeah. ideas like that. And I just thought it was a great espionage movie. It was a great Captain America movie. I I've always liked the character of Falcon, so I thought the way it introduced him was really really good. Yeah. Um, there was, and my favorite action sequence in any of the MCU movies is actually in this one. It I, I would be surprised if this one isn't your favorite because it's the most street level and it doesn't involve any costumes. It's when they're uh, on the causeway when Bucky, when the Winter yeah. Soldier ambushes yeah. them and you have this whole like 10 minute long fight across different highways and different streets yep. when he's going after Steve and Natasha and Sam and they're you know fighting with machine guns and he's taking out knives and everything and they're all in their yep. civilian, their street clothes and everything like that. Um, and just I remember just watching that. I was like, "This is a Jason Bourne movie. This is, you know, this is like a Tom Cruise MI5 level." Of totally. Like, totally. This does not look like a comic book movie, but it's the staging of it and everything, and the intensity, um, and the way it, it revealed. Of course, I knew that the Winter Soldier was Bucky all along, but I still think the way that it revealed it to the audience was really well done. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Honestly, I. <laughs> 
for for your listeners that are still paying attention at this point, let me just point out the fact that we didn't compare any notes on all this stuff, but <laughs> my opinion is the exact same. I mean, I literally likened this movie to a bored identity movie yeah. or 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 like a dark knight, even like a Christopher Nolan dark knight. I mean, the one thing I loved about this was the case study, the detective work, yes. the outside of costume sequences, yeah. you know, those type of things. Um, I, I thought, yeah, again, the Russos outdid themselves with, with um, the fights and the choreography and the staging of everything and the realism of, you know, I mean, the opening boat sequence uh, just floored me when I saw Captain America perish or yeah. jump out of a plane and land on the thing. And then the whole like invest that whole sequence, but just so much of the movie was cerebral. You know, mm-hmm. it felt like him and Scarlett Johansson running around trying to solve this stuff. And then how do you, okay, if this guy, if this guy who is absolute pure good has no inner conflict, you know, what, what do you do? Like then all what happens when you stage or when you place, you know, betrayal in him or something, when his ideals are broken, then where does he go? You know, they, they did such a good job of, <laughs> of investing you into this, this character that, like I said, from the very beginning, from jump, I thought that this, you know, cap was going to be the most boring person to put on film. And these guys just destroyed my notion of it and made like, I was like, this is fantastic. Yeah. This is just fantastic. I, I was just utterly impressed. This is my top. This is my number one. Okay. And I, I think a lot of people probably agree with us on these. Um, the, the one thing I don't like about this movie is, like, at the end when it comes down to, like, the climactic battle when they've got the three helicarriers, I can't understand why they made the decision to blow them all up when they're in <laughs> air hovering over Washington, D.C. I'm like... Th- I can think of a lot was, of reasons. There was an... <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then the story. Um, oh, like, got it, got like, it. There's a, a simple script fix where you only need... Because you want to blow up something, you only need to blow up one of them, but, like, scuttle them over, like, the, the bay or something like that. You can blow up the Triskelly and take down that whole, like, thing. But I was like, why are they all shooting at each other when they're over a populated place? Like, then in the next movie, when, when General Ross is like, yeah, yeah I, I think you maybe have a point that you guys need to be in check if this is what your, where your instinct. Uh, yeah. So. yeah. At this point, I think in my in my experience of the the MCU universe, I had now begun to like forgive certain plot points and devices like sure, that. Like yeah, yeah. at this point, this this movie impressed me so much. Like I didn't even care if the if the ending fell flat on his face. I was just I was like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> Which brings me to my number one, and this is the softest number one because mm. it's it really leapt up there and I, I i do think i very well may be prisoner of the moment because my number one is avengers endgame and objectively i can't rationalize this like this is purely subjective this is when i talk about how important stuff like fan service is, is to me this is what this movie is this is a love letter to 21 movies that came before it and all of the investment that I've had as an audience member in these characters and the stories that preceded giving weight and, and validation to those stories by, by revisiting them in certain cases and re-exploring them and re-legitimizing them in certain ways. Um, and again, like the, the first half is just showing the beats of how these characters deal with their failure and their, their human components but all culminating in just this monstrous, you know, as much as I love that grounded battle, like the, the, in, in, uh, Winter Soldier, the last part when all of the heroes come out of their portals and everybody yeah. is teaming up and the mad scramble for the gauntlet and fighting Thanos is like that whole thing 
just it it got me it won me over at that moment i was like this is what this is why i come to these movies um this is just it, this means so much to me it feels like a reward mm, yeah it's interesting. Y- yeah so I, I mean again like this isn't something that i can rationalize because objectively structurally thematically performance i don't think it is the best movie i think it does have a lot of flaws i think there are problems um i i kind of pointed it out to somebody else that i think paul rudd has some amazing dramatic moments at the beginning of this movie, like when he first wakes up and he's when he first reconnects with his daughter, realizing he missed five years out of her life. Oh, and remember, yeah. this is a character who was already in prison and missed five years of her life when she was yep. younger. Um, to to have that emotion again, and and how fragile he is when he first meets Steve and Natasha and everything. But then later on, like once they get into the second act, when they're in the heist thing, like every line that comes out of Paul Rudd's voice, I was like, "You, you were trying to make this a joke, and it's not funny." And I just wanted them to shut up. So <laughs> they were like, "These." I was like, "This is weird to think that the Ant Man character is a better dramatic character than comedic one in this movie." But like, yeah, just things. It's. I I think if I look at this list again in a month or a couple of months or a year or something like that, I don't think Avengers Endgame will be my number one. Um, I think I will look at other movies more critically, or I'll look at this one more critically. But today, looking at the whole Infinity Saga, I mean, this one is what the whole thing was building to, and I think the payoff, for me, it works better than I could have expected, so... Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm 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 glad that this is your number one, and not it's not mine. It's it's actually number seven in mine. But I'm glad this is the one I wanted to talk about the most. Right. So I'm I'm glad that this is your number one because, as you know, we talked about this privately. When I first saw this in the theaters, this movie would have been 24 out of 23. <laughs> yeah. If that makes any sense, like I I hated it. Yeah. I just hated it. Um, and uh, I was I was overly harsh on a lot of things, but again, it was the, I wanted the payoff to be real and believable, and I felt like any time you introduce time travel, it's a cheat. It's like all, it's like when you paint yourself into a corner in a story, and so the character wakes up and it was a dream. Right. I was like, that's you know, come on, you know, that's and it wasn't even it, it had a little bit of bit to do with the the fact that I didn't like the way they changed what we know about the rules of time travel. You know, I mm-hmm. I thought you could have had more fun. If you did the Back to the Future stuff or the butterfly effect, I think that there were a lot of missed opportunities in the second act that they could have explored upon how many things could possibly go wrong and change and keep redoing like Inception type pieces where there's three Captain Americas and four Captain Americas. Yeah. Like like there, there could have been a lot of fun in that aspect. But I was definitely overly harsh on it just because I thought that time travel was a cheat. I was like, what you gave us with the last movie was so devastating. I almost felt like now you're like, well, shit, now what do we do? Mm-hmm. And and that was that was it. So my initial reaction, as you and I talked about, it, I was I was very let down, and probably because I had very lofty expectations, really high expectations. It probably wasn't as bad as I made it sound when we first talked about it. But I I, I was pissed. Now months have gone by. The movie was just re- released on its streaming now, and I saw it again for the second, only the second time. And I just saw it again like a week ago, which is when, right around the time we decided we wanted to do this podcast. And I saw it again, and I was really embarrassed about how hard I was on this film the first time I saw it. It was not even close to as bad and frustrating as it was the first time through. There were a lot of elements that I really, really liked. I loved the raw 
emotional performances in the beginning, even though some people would say it was slow. Like there's a lot of people I've talked to that hated the beginning because it was so slow, but I'm like, but no, but this is real. Let's mm-hmm. see. Like we've had 22 movies to build to this point. You can't gloss over, right. you know, this, this kind of thing. Um, so I, I, you know, just seeing how, what happened to everybody and where they went and how they all dealt with, you know, I think somebody, somebody I talked to made the comparison, which I totally agree with each character went through like the different stages of, of grief. Yeah. You know, there was, there was denial, there was anger, there was bargaining, there was, you know, all these things are like every character represented some of that. And I was like, this is really well done and, and heartfelt and emotional. And I love what happened to Jeremy Renner. Um, and, and, and just so many things about it. So I, I definitely, and then, and then in terms of the time travel stuff, I kind of just, you know, I just reconciled to forgive it. I was like, okay, I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily think that that was the greatest ending to do a 23 saga, uh, you know, a 23 story saga and then end with time travel to fix stuff. But I was like, yeah, it's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And finally, the last thing I'll say is I totally agree with you in the sense that I didn't need like you for what you saw in the final act, which by the way, was an hour long, you know, (laughs) when you have a battle that lasts an hour long, which is as long as some films, some movies are, you know, that's, that's pretty impressive filmmaking. I think that it was definitely a testament to, it was, it was a nod to fans. It was a nod to, to this is what you guys want to see this. We were going to put everybody in here and have them all get equal time and at least a, a screenshot of them fighting and doing something. And you got the whole women teaming up to help, you know, protect the, the uh, Captain Marvel. And then you've got, you know, everybody had their moments and stuff. I totally agree that it was all fan service a hundred percent, but I loved it. And this is probably where my journey with the MCU came to its fruition as well. You know, I kind of, I'm a different person now at the end of this and, and not, I'm not going to try to draw a comparison to one of the characters in it, but you know, I went on an arc with a lot of these characters and now at the end it was like, this is, I was like totally invested, wanted them all to, wanted to see them all again, like old friends. It was almost like the finale a series finale of your favorite TV show, whatever that may be, you know, if mm-hmm. yours could be cheers, it could be people who are like friends or it could be, you know, whatever, where, you know, when you have like just a great finale and you see the actors portraying emotion on camera, that is also in the scene, but you know, it's partly because their journey as actors is over too. Right. You know, it's just kind of like you, you feel it with them. Like this was a great finale. It was just a great finale. So it didn't quite crack my top five, but I mean, it jumped up. It jumped up 15 spots from where you know where where I had it before. So, yeah, that's I, I'm I'm glad this is your number one. Yeah, and again, will it stay there? I don't know. I mean, it's uh, I mean, I I rewatch all of these movies from time to time. Um, if I just get the of course, now that there's so many of them, it's harder to do that. <laughs> um, yeah. And they're all three hours long now. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, this has been fun to kind of go through all of them with you because um, like this, uh, uh, this isn't something that we do usually talk about. We don't we don't talk about these type of movies because you hate them. Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually do, and and you know, I I mean, I I hate Spider Man sometimes as much as I hate Shaquille O'Neal, but I, I will say that this, you know, those movies, they they definitely, I I can approach them logically, and I can, I love the fact, I actually do, I enjoy the fact, you know, that you and I have come at it from different opinions and mm-hmm. different 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 vantage points. I would say, I like that because some. 
sometimes, you know, you, it, when everybody agrees, you know, you can't have a point counterpoint discussion when you, everybody agrees on the same thing. I've tried to talk sports with people and my most engaging and fun discussions are when somebody disagrees with me. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, I don't want everybody to agree. I mean, I can't, well, I kind of do, but you know, I, it's definitely, this was, this was a really fun conversation and something that's taken 10 years to get to you know, it's been <laughs> right. 11 years to get to this point. But I think, I think this is great. I, I totally agree with all your opinions. Although now I'm having second thoughts about Spider-Man far from home where you ranked it because I haven't seen it. So, but <laughs> well, you know what? If you still hate him, when you see it, you'll probably really like the part where he gets run over by a train. Nice. See, okay, sold, sold. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I thank you for wanting to have this discussion with me. I think that this was a lot of fun, and I, it certainly, even, even, you know, hearing you describe certain things too makes me want to revisit some of the other movies that maybe I had ranked lower. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, it maybe, you know, maybe your listeners will feel the same way. I, I hope so, and definitely for those of you listening, uh, if you want to take the time to rank all 23 or, or just your top 5 or top 10 uh, or, or take umbrage with anything that we have said, by all means, uh, write in either on Facebook or Twitter or the uh, the website, which is at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Um, oh, just before, I, I, I do want to add, there was one other kind of discussion question just to kind of leave us on, on a, a high note. Of all of those movies, like, did you discover a a favorite character, either based on the character himself or the performance or anything? Like, I mean, you Ooh. went in you went in knowing who the Hulk was, but did any of these kind of surprise you and, and leap to like a favorites list of who you wanted more from or who you just who you always knew was money? Yeah. Interesting. I, I, are you talking like a dare I say an employee of the month kind of thing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> of the um, 11 years of yeah right right, your right. MVP? yeah uh my mvp would probably be oh boy my heart wants to say iron man just because that's kind of the obvious the way he bowed out kind of thing that's mm-hmm. the hero's journey you know that that's kind of obvious i would actually say my my personal favorite though would think i i would say thor and okay. i would say that only because of what happened from ragnarok on okay. that yeah that you know everything before that i i wouldn't say so but that that would be my mvp like right now if i like pretend that we both got like just all the money in the world and and perfect bodies sculpted from clay and all this stuff like that i would say for halloween this year i would be thor if it was you know that kind of thing i think that's where that's where i fell in line with what he ended up his character ended up being including the choice to go fat suit for the final movie i was going to say like, i could easily pull off that <laughs> for halloween <laughs> that's not requiring a whole lot <laughs> but yeah that, so that all the his journey I think being subtle and unexpected, I would mm-hmm. say that's my MVP. How about you? Very cool. I I, I wouldn't have expected that, but I, I'm I'm glad to hear that you surprised. Um, it's it's probably Captain America. Um, and and I say probably because Iron Man surprised me with how much I liked him by the end of it. Like I I, I respected mm. the hell out of the character from the beginning with what they did, and I always liked the character. But even as a fan of the comics, I never liked Iron Man as much as I liked Captain America or the Hulk even Hawkeye in the comics. Um, but gosh, like, yeah, his arc over the last couple of movies and what Donnie Jr. did with him, it's, I mean, I see, I see Tony and Steve as the heart and soul of the Avengers. And it's, it's hard to pick out which one I like more. I'm, I'm leaning more towards cap, but that's, Hmm. that is, that is a toss up. Um, the one other thing I'll add to to your comment about Thor and going back to my justification for age of Ultron is, 
that is my favorite version of what Thor looks like in that movie. Because <laughs> yeah. he's oh, yeah. sleeveless. Yep. He's sleeveless yep. the whole time. I don't like Thor with sleeves. But he's also got like the long, the really long golden blocks of, of hair, which is what I, I think Thor should have. The long hair, the cape, and uh, sleeveless, and the hammer. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, so, okay, so... Listeners, thank you very much for indulging us on a show that went way longer than I expected it to do. <laughs> to do. <laughs> like, three times longer than I thought it would be. Um, but this was a whole lot of fun. Um, and, and yeah, leave us your feedback, whatever opinions that you've got on these movies. Are we crazy? Did we rank something too high, too low? Are we forgetting about something? Um, uh, give us your lists or your top five, your favorites or something like that. Uh, anything else that you want to see, we would love to hear back from you. So, um, yeah, I, I mentioned it already, but again, Facebook, Twitter, you can follow this uh, along on social media. Leave a comment on the website post, fireandwaterpodcast.com. Neil, as always, thank you very much for uh, joining me and being my guest. Listeners, you will hear us again on an episode of Fire and Water Records in the future. I promise. But, yeah, until next time, uh, this is Fire and Water Presents. Thank you very much. I hate Spider-Man. Sad idiot. Pissed off. Oh. Angry. I lost my father. I lost my hammer. Why? You're not even listening. Stop, kick, stop. You're being a really bad friend. You bad friend. You know what we call you? No. We call you the stupid Avenger. You're a tiny Avenger. Ah. Oh.